Beaker, what's up, dude? You're back from Spain. You're in full science mode. How you doing? Yeah, Spain was good. It was? RC. First time since uh, October. That's good. Nitro. That's good. And you're back on the podcast. I have missed you. I have nobody to have, you know, Zach and Max are doing a great job, but you and I, we just have this epic banter. So in honor of you coming back and going into full science mode, I have a special gift for you. You want to see it? Okay. Here we go. like the story baker bullshit why am i baker because you like that's your name man and he's playing a violin just like you it's like the story of your life in that one video (laughs) but anyway you know what hey welcome back oday to beaker or ode as you say you know what joseph it's time to drop that intro and start a podcast Nitro is the glory. Welcome to the No Name RC Podcast with your hosts tonight, Keenan White, aka Lefty the Great. And if you are unlucky, the Finnish village idiot, JQ. This is the RC Podcast with no name, but plenty of content. So sit back, relax and get ready for some serious bench racing. Yes, indeed. Nitro is the glory, but e-buggy pays the bills. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode. Who made number. your new intro? You just have to interrupt me as I was doing mine. And that's the first time you've seen it, haven't you? Yeah. It's pretty good, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it's much improved. Yeah, thank you to uh, Jacob Peterson. He did that for me. He's doing a lot of video for me, uh, and he's doing a lot of stuff for race time as well. He's really talented. So thank you to Jacob for doing that. And um, hey, welcome back, Josie. Yeah. Hey, you know, all right. Well, before I go on any further, Joseph, and we get into Spain and news and all that stuff, I have to say some thank yous out there. So I want to shout out and say thank you to all of the NNRC squad around the world. Thank you guys for your support. None of this is possible 
You know, <laughs> everything's growing. The Facebook's growing. The YouTube's growing. Everything's growing. Speaking of YouTube, we broke 1,000 subs this week. Thank you, everybody. Now I have to do the Toe of Satan challenge next week. But what I'm doing is waiting to get the channel monetized because I, I, I want to do the challenge, but I want to take all the super chats that we get from that live and I want to donate it to uh, this young racer, well, young RC racer who has a GoFund that's been set up by my buddy Kevin LaChapelle. It will be in the written links of, it will be in the written description of this podcast. So I want to do the Toe of Satan, get super chats and all the money will get donated to this young racer who's going through some very hard times right now. He's very sick. So let's help out a young racer. Uh, shout out to the patrons on Patreon, man. You guys are awesome. You're keeping things going here. I'm planning a trip right here, and that's because of the patrons. So good stuff. Thank you, guys. If you wish to be a patron of the podcast, the link is in the written description. Shout out to Mayako. Mayako official. You know, we got the head designer right here with us, JQ. What's up, JQ? You know, we can say head designer at Mayako now. So there you go. Nice job title for you. More information about Mayako coming out soon, I would assume, JQ. Cool. Yeah, there's coming the, basically the next month, okay. next four weeks. There'll be a lot of new information. So maybe I'll actually get to see underneath the hood of the car because I have not seen this yet. Maybe. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe. Um, shout out to, oh, hold on, let me get the rest of our sponsors up here. Shout out to TNR Fuels. Uh, just come on. They're, they're busy. They're going to SCRC here next week to do the T, um, the A-Main Tour or TNR Challenge Tour. Uh, awesome fuel made by a racer, four racers, family-owned business. Chris Nelson's good people. If you're interested in getting some TNR fuels in your shop or just running them, hit them up. Hit us up. We're still setting things up and all that stuff, so no ad read for them, but thank you to TNR Fuels for coming on. It's greatly appreciated. Beach RC. Super happy for Beach RC. They've been big sponsors and big supporters of this podcast from the get-go. They're getting some shirts. And I think Brent told me there's a, a, a special NNRC thing going out in the My RC box this month. So I'm happy about that. Thank you, Brent, and all the people at, at Beach RC. Be, be safe. I heard see that they're sending everybody home early today because of a thunderstorm. We are recording Thursday, so this is Thursday. Shout out to Techno RC for supporting the podcast. Oh, we got to talk about their move that they made uh, last week. I think that's the biggest news for me that we got to talk about with Kyle McBride joining Techno RC. Obviously, shout out to my JQ Racing family. Man, Joseph, did you see how many racers Mark Johnson has got there in New Zealand? Wow, it's so awesome to see. Did you see the picture? Yeah, so... Yeah, you have a serious delay or something, or you're just not paying attention. But shout out to all the JQ Racing family around the world. The New Zealand Nats looked awesome. Too bad the thylacine couldn't go over there and defend his title, but he can't travel. Sun City RC Raceway. Anthony Westergaard just put in a badass layout there. It looks really good. Looks like you're going to have start gate starts for the TNR A-Main Challenge. So that looks pretty good, Joseph. You should nice. like that. Uh, they put in a what lot of work. Nice? Excuse me? When is that race? Next weekend. Because I believe that it was supposed to be RCGP dates, so it's next weekend. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. Shout out to, hold on, I'm you're making me lose track here. Papa Willie's Traction Tonic, long-time supporter of the podcast. There is a written... Uh, what the heck is that noise, Joseph? 
Maybe my laptop fan, if my uh, microphone has adjusted itself again, maybe. Yeah, that was really loud. Uh, really, really loud. But shout out to Papa Willis Traction Tonic, long support, long time supporter of the podcast. Check out you know all the links and, and promo codes in the written description of this podcast. You can save to 10% at Papa Willis Traction Tonic. Manscaped.com. Remember, we have these, the promo code where you can save 20% off of that. Also, big shout out to Racecraft USA. Tracing the guys coming up with something cool here soon, so check them out. RCGP, thank you for the spotlight that they gave me yesterday. It was truly an honor to be involved with people that have vision. And um, shout out to House of RC, and of course Wally builds. Wally's gonna be on with me tonight as we're well this later for the the hotline this week because we're recording this before the hotline, and it's all about stock versus mod on that podcast. So, and of course JQ Threads, we can't forget them. J, JQ's wearing a hat, so. Thank you to all the sponsors, man. We can't do it without you. We've we got a couple of more sponsors coming on here next month. I'm super pumped. Things are going good here. I think we're doing a good job here, Joseph. Uh, I'm happy to have you back, man. Really happy to have you back here. I finally sent out the JQ Threads hat, uh, Christmas gift hats. Thank you. Thank you. You sent one to South Africa. They had a race there this weekend and um, that this past weekend at that awesome facility. So nice. Nice. Richard Duckham, the guy that you're actually sending the hat to, was racing there. So I think you did pretty well, actually. So thank you. And um, yeah, I got the skateboard going out. BTRC got stuff out. And so that's good. We finally got some of the stuff out from the Christmas vacation. I mean, Christmas show. And yeah. So, man, let's, let's talk. I haven't really talked to you since you've been back from Spain. So you've been down in Spain. Like, Spain is like the mecca of RC in Europe, I want to say. It's pretty good, yeah. Yeah, I mean that track you was at. What was it again? Madrid, uh, That was that's uh, Miguelo's track. He runs the Buggyland race. That's so nice. It's awesome. It's so, good. Tell me something about Spain. What did you do? Anything exciting? How is it there with lockdown and all that stuff? I guess they have some sort of lockdown where you can't you can't exit your region. And they had a curfew at 11 p.m., I think. Okay. But, I mean, you have to wear masks everywhere. But, yeah, it didn't really affect me other than I had to wear the mask. I only was at the hotel and the track for really? nine days. Yeah, I got to go every day. It rained one afternoon towards the end. But I was at the track until it started raining. And then the next day in the afternoon, I could drive again. So. Mm-hmm. I could test every day and I wanted to go because they had a race there the week weekend before I went. Mm -hmm. And then I got to test on race conditions and also I could compare to lap times and, and uh, qualifying results and stuff. Um, So that's, that's good. Is this the track that Canas just raced at? Uh, No, it's, they had a, some, regional i guess the, a local kid beat robert uh, mm. he's called really so what does he drive yeah so he uh, s works mm. he he won and robert was second i think how does robert did you did you get to meet robert at all or hang out with him at any point no okay i arrived on tuesday and he left on monday where did he go Oh, he went back home. He doesn't live there. Oh, right, He lives in Barcelona, and this race was in Madrid. Got you, got you, got you. So what did you learn in testing, dude? You know, you sent me pictures of this orange car of orange wheels, but 
that's about it and some video yeah it was really fun i mean first first day really i was i just drove just to get used to driving again and then after that i started testing but it was it was sort of what i expected but better than i expected because i thought they i thought it would take me you know a day or two to figure things out where i just put the car on the track and it was immediately good which was a relief so i had driven the the front end and rear end of the of the mayako buggy before i actually even drove it in america before covid hit so just over a over a year ago but i don't think anyone actually knew i even did it in public so um, you did it in front of me and i didn't even notice maybe yeah Yeah, so some days some days i i was at the track with drake and uh, westergaard for example and i still ran it i you know I didn't really care because it looked just like a, like a black edition, like the middle part was all black edition body, everything just at the front and rear ends. If you actually looked at, looked at it, you could see like different gearboxes, towers, arms, everything. Mm-hmm. But I, yeah, I got away with that. So that was good, but I never run that chassis and the chassis layout, all the middle parts, you know? Mm-hmm. So I built a hundred percent prototype before, uh, this trip never run it, and that's why I was kind of a bit not really worried, but sort of expecting to have to work a bit on the setup and have some issues and this and that. But no, it was good from the get go, so I was really happy about that. Question: When we're talking proto parts, are we talking three D printed stuff or like actual injection molded prototypes? Yeah, some some stuff is still three D printed, but mostly it's it's uh, molded. But some of the molded parts are also the first t- mm. test shots, so the molds still need to be adjusted to make them uh, fit right and you know make everything perfect. Also, in the test shot uh, phase, sometimes the materials aren't quite exact because the mold house is, you know, mm-hmm. not really, I don't know. They, they aren't sort of, they don't worry about that too much. Always. Right. They are just sort of figuring out like everything basically works. Mm-hmm. So now the next batch will have the r- exact right materials for everything. And the molds have been modified further. So, I don't know. I might have to go somewhere again to test because we are still maybe six weeks away from being able to drive here in Finland. Uh, when do you think uh, you guys will open up to international travel? We can already travel internationally. It's just that traveling is quite difficult now okay. because the restrictions change. So the way it works is each country has a rating, like a risk rating, and mm-hmm. that sh- that can change whenever. But you- so... For travel, it works so that they they use the rating from the previous day. So mm-hmm. if you are traveling and that day the rating changes, it doesn't affect your travel. But because they use the day before's rating, but there are three different levels. So depending on that, that's going to affect if you can, you know, fly to a country or stop have a stopover in a country, or if you need a test, or if you need this or that. So it's actually quite hard to figure out but no chance of flying to america right that's all no because okay. fr- you can't fly to america unless 
you live there or I, there are some sort of, uh, exceptions to the rule, but just for work, for example, if you like me, I couldn't go, or if there was an RC race, Hey, this is my job for racing an RC car. I don't think you can go. So it needs to be something, um, more legit than that right, to be able right. to go right now. Well, I'm planning yeah. on going and it looks like I just, I'm going up in May for silver state and then staying for the nationals. Um, yeah, one way you can go is if if you're from Europe, fly to a country that you can enter yeah, America like from, and you stay two weeks yeah. in that country, then you could possibly enter. So, if I flew over there and spent a few weeks there, and then tried to enter America from there, mm -hmm. then I guess I could. Well, go. you should come down for two weeks and then fly with me up to uh, Miami and North Carolina yeah, and drive I, across. A lot of other stuff to do, you know. That's true. That's true. Um, but I'm happy you went. But you, you know, my traveling, it was almost a disaster. Right, what happened? So I booked my first uh, flight via Amsterdam with KLM. Mm -hmm. But Netherlands is the only country in Europe that has this requirement that you need to have a test within four hours of departure. I can see that. Even, even if it's only transit. So I got a text message the day before I was leaving about this. I'm like, what? What is this bullshit? So I already had a test for like $200 or something about. Uh, so now I have to have another one. And I checked and that it was like 180 euros for the wow. test. So both ways I would have to do that. So I'm like, there's no way. So I canceled my ticket and got another ticket via Germany. And th for that, I didn't need anything. So, so yeah. Sweet, sweet. Yeah, I'm, I'm just monitoring. Um, I'm about to call American and see if I can get my ticket from that I was supposed to go to PMB last year, reimbursed. And then it looks like we're going to be flying to North Carolina and then Mike Hill and I are probably driving across to Vegas. And then... Oh, uh, we that's can one ticket, by the way. I, I need to check my PMB ticket from last year. Yeah, yeah. I, I wonder whatever happened to that. Well, I, they said I could get it back. I got to call American tomorrow. And it looks like, because people are, people are coming here for vacation. So, like, they're transiting through America and all that stuff. I think the only country that isn't allowing people here right now until April is Canada. So, you can't fly to or from Canada to here. So all good stuff, man. Slowly things are opening up. Uh, we had a lot of racing going on over the last couple of weeks, this week as well. Uh, Barry Baker's pissed off at you, I think. Well, what he, is that? I don't know. He kind of hit me up and is like, I'm coming on the, 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 he was supposed to come on the last hotline. Is Beaker going to be in there? I was like, no, he's not. Well, I'm coming on there anyway. I got something, I got a burn to pick with him. So I think it's a little <laughs> bit mad at, at what you and your fending uh, video that you did about fend and all that type of stuff and is he fending himself and or is the car fending him and whatever so but he never called in so it's a it's i don't know it's all good um rc babu i enjoyed that that interview with you uh i've been kind of watching those guys that's derek bono and who's the other guy uh that triple x main guy yeah i can't remember his name right now jeff something um I've been watching them for a while. This week's guest, sorry, is Charlie Swanker, and I actually watched him on there, and thank you, Charlie, for coming on. Uh, you know what? Before I go on, I forgot. I have to say some happy birthdays. Happy birthday to the freaking Viking. He went 25. Happy birthday to David Ronnefelt. He went 25 this week. Happy birthday to Cody Bancroft. 
Skiller Joe's stepdad. And shout out to uh, patron. Happy birthday to Jason Roberts as well. I forgot this. I had this on my notes. And the NNRC wants to send their condolences to Tim and uh, Camden Lime as his uh, Tim's dad passed away this week. And um, yeah, we send our condolences out to them. He was seems to be very active in Tim's life and flying and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, heads up and positive vibes sent to Tim and Camden and the Lime family. So, yeah. Um, RC Babble, Derek Mono. It was really interesting to listen to these guys. I think these guys... This is one of the interviews I'm seeing with some peers where these guys have like a lot of respect. Not saying that other people don't have respect for you, but you know what I mean? I think they really respect you as a, as what, what you're doing in RC and what you've done. And I can see that the way they were, were, were interviewing you. Yeah, I guess because they have, they have done stuff in RC themselves too. Mm -hmm. So, so they, they know what it takes yeah and i find it very interesting when they were talking about how they got kicked out of the 2008 worlds like they were the media and they got yeah. kicked out of there crazy but i think that's when the death of independent media started right there if you want to pinpoint an actual date um i think well, maybe that was not it that. huh not really that early i think it was the start no I, it, it wasn't that early but it was a good chat with them um they still work in rc or what do they do like i don't understand what they actually do i don't know really like can that magazine really be making that much money well, i mean they have a hundred plus thousand subs on youtube and i mean i'm guessing you could get enough views off that to, to make a living somewhat the views aren't that great for their know. videos on YouTube. Speaking of videos, we have people asking for your videos. And I knew, and look, you know how that you got to the track? Everything's been sidetracked. Videos are taking a back seat. No, it's not been sidetracked. It's everything's going according to plan. <laughs> you sound like the emperor when he's talking to Darth Vader. Everything is going as I have it. Yeah, it is. There'll be more videos coming. All right. It's just uh, a lot of things to get done. Sweet. Well, you know what, Joseph? We ain't got much time. You you got some stuff to do today. So I say we go right on to the RC News brought to you by Manscaped.com. It looks like, Joseph, you're looking happy. I'm assuming you got some manscaping done recently. No, I haven't received one. You were supposed to send I me. A... I'm going to, I got an email there oh. to send it. They said they couldn't send it to Finland. Something about reindeers what? and whales. I don't know. I don't know. What's they can. I don't know. But anyway, guys, this part of the podcast is brought to you by manscaped.com. If you ain't into manscaping, you should. I do it myself. I'm a silverback, so I have to kind of do it. You know, I have hair in places that there shouldn't be hair. I don't know what's going on there. I'm like one. <laughs> I'm like a, a gorilla, like a silverback. That's what my bo my buddies used to call me anyway, Keenan the silverback. So, you know, I got this nice, cool manscaping tool. It's the uh, lawnmower 3.0. It's waterproof. It's got replaceable blades. It's got, you know, it doesn't nick your nuts because that's the one thing I worry about when I manscape. Also, I use it for under my arms, so I don't nick it there either. Makes life a lot easier. Uh, check them out. If you want to get yourself a lawnmower 3.0, get the kit. It comes with ball de deodorizer, the beluga underwear, which is really comfortable, a t-shirt, and a nice carry-on bag that you can use, like a travel bag. So check them out at www.manscape.com. Use the promo code NONAME in all caps, and you will save 20% off your order. And you get free shipping. And this applies to international as well. You can order from the international shops. 
So, Joseph, I think the first thing we have to talk about is Kyle McBride splitting or t- t- I'm not still we're still not sure. We we've, I've heard that he's left. Seems like he's left. He left Infinity to go to Tech. What do you mean you're not sure, man? Well, you well, he I heard that he, already. Huh? Oh, you mean I don't mean if he left or Infinity got rid of him. I don't know what the story is behind it, but all po- I've heard that he left. I don't know how true yeah, that he left. is. Okay, so you heard that he left as well. To Techno RC. Yeah. Um Wow, I'm I was shocked at this. I was really shocked at this. I mean, why would you leave Infinity? They have the biggest budget in RC. Time will tell, I uh, guess, if this was the right choice or not. But I would argue that this was definitely a very short-sighted move. And, uh, yeah, not the smartest move, I think. Well, So I heard that the reasoning was just that basically... Infinity are making a car, and uh, recently he started racing the Infinity prototype. Mm-hmm. And it, there's 3D printed parts and stuff, and he he broke a few times, and he wanted to race something else. And they said he should race the prototype and develop that, and just kind of didn't want to do that. Like the car was a prototype for it didn't it wasn't so strong he broke a few times maybe he wasn't quite happy with the performance and then that's kind of the reason why he mm-hmm. he left but to me that's just such a ridiculous uh reason because first of all there's not much racing right now because of covid perfect time really to develop a car with infinity it's it's a sort of unless kenji just decides to quit like I'm not done with RC. Unless he does that, then it's it's a sort of lifetime deal with mm-hmm. basically unlimited resources. So it's more like an attitude thing. Mm-hmm. So you have an opportunity to do whatever the hell you want. So you could be like, okay, so this is a really great situation. You know what? I want to be world champion. I want this car to be the best. Like imagine you stay, you help them develop the car, you win the first big race with their car, you know, boom, you're set for life, basically. Yeah. Like Demo, uh, Demo Lena, he won the ENS series when they first made their 10-scale right. Nitro Touring car. I think he was the first guy to really win with their platform, right? Okay. He basically has a deal for life. Like, he's, I'm sure he's paid nicely. He just uh, doesn't race very much anymore test some stuff gives feedback that's enough like that's it like you did it you you won with their first baby you know and that's boom you're in i i kind of feel the same way um yeah because any other rc brand doesn't have the resources to pay someone just for the hell of it like we know you aren't really racing that much anymore you aren't doing well anymore but we'll sort of keep you around like Mm -hmm. who does that no one Mm -hmm. where did hara hara had one place to go infinity Infinity. no one else was going to pay him anything it was the only place he could go for sure that's actually probably why he made the right decision (laughs) you know Um, because it was his only choice I so hope that's yeah. what I'm trying to say is like a company like that. If you look at it as, okay, this is a partnership that I need to work on because this is a unique opportunity 
and you take it seriously. You explain what your goals are. You're driven. You work with them. You have a good relationship. You're set for life. And you can't get that with any other brand, really, Mm-mm. as a just a driver. Exactly. Because once you aren't winning, once you aren't valuable as a racer, you're done. You won't, you'll be like Hara. You'll be like, where do I go? Where do I go? And, you know, that's it. So that's why I think it was a very short-sighted and weird decision. Like, oh, the 3D printed parts aren't strong enough. Oh, of course. I don't want to drive this. Like, what the fuck? Like, that's just weird to me. Um, well, uh, here's how I look at it. I, I, I agree with you on, on those points, definitely. Um, you know, Kyle McBride, we've, we've said it over and over. We would love to see Kyle get to America for some time or, or Europe. Techno is, has a decent team there and a representation in Australia. I, I can see that in, in New Zealand. But if he's just going to stay in Australia, well, obviously he has to stay in Australia now until, you know, obviously they can travel. But I think the tentative plan is for him to start traveling as soon as things open up. If Techno makes him go to America and do things there and stuff like that, then that, I think that helps him develop his, because he's still young enough to, to do these things. And get better, and and has plenty of chances to win a world champion in my opinion, a world championship in my opinion. But what it does is help highlight the RC community in Australia, which I know they desperately want because there's a lot of fast guys. I mean, we got Alex Bernardzik knocking on his door. You know what I mean? In Australia, another young kid that I like to see come out and travel. I mean, look at look at uh, the thylacine, like the Dexters when they came to California for for RCGP and how. I mean, Aaron handed a lot of fast local SoCal guys their asses, like at JBRLs and all the club races and then at RCGP. So there's definitely talent in Australia. But is he going to do that? Like, are they going to, well, are they going to make him do that? I mean, you, we all know that also Techno, Techno, the owner of Techno doesn't take no shit. So you're going to do what he says pretty much. So if they can get him to America to race and hone his skill more, great. But he just joined a stacked team. I mean, <laughs> you're talking about going to America with a team with Tebow, Bornhorst, Tyler Jones, Seth Van Dalen, uh, Wiggins, and then people in the people in the like. Wow, that's like the techno. Like how deep are techno's pockets now? Like they just they just have these top drivers. Like they have the biggest. I think techno has the strongest eight scale team in RC right now. Yeah, their their team is actually really good. Yeah. So, so it's going to be if interesting. If we had the world see. championships now, they would be really strong. One of the favorites uh, to win that. All right. No, I don't say to win. I don't think they would be favorites to win, but they would have a lot of okay. sort of cars in the main. A main, a main level drivers. Well, it's going to be interesting to see. I, for one, want to see Kyle McBride come to America because he's talented. We both know he's talented. Work ethic, maybe not there. To a full extent, but you know, it, I think he has to kind of you know put if he puts that extra work in and that work ethic and gets and work in and gets into America and does it and does things right, a world championship is not out of his reach, you know, and or or many big win races that he can could be. I mean, he he's competitive. Like, look how he was fast at RCGP, and he barely yeah, races against just, those guys. I just don't think that if he had the. 
right attitude and made his goals clear to infinity, for example, Mm -hmm. I can't see them being like, yeah, we're not just not going to send you to any races. Like I don't see that. Right. I think he could have basically gone to whatever races he wanted. If, if the case was like, okay, we, we're not sending you anywhere because we don't have a car Mm -hmm. and he wanted, well, now it's COVID. So what are you going to do? But if that's kind of the, if that really was an issue, like we are not going to send you anywhere until we have our own car and our own car will be here in like two years or something. And he doesn't really care about long-term, like once he's done racing, he's on off to other things. I don't know what his dad does for work. Like, you know, maybe he has something lined up. Okay. Then I can understand. So he's more sort of right now. I want, racing right now with a good car right now and i'm not worried about five years from now or whenever then yeah okay then it can make sense and i understand but if if this is like what he wants to do for as long as possible then i don't really understand the decision time will tell man uh like i said he definitely has the talent to to pull it off but he's also getting older i guess i guess he's the Vikings age, I want to say. So we will see. We will see. But Techno's team is stacked. Wow. It's 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 ridiculous, like, how much drivers they have. So amazing, amazing. All right. I think the next big news this week was this, actually. The release of the new associated B6.3. And this has people talking. And this is actually going to be our SCRC down and quiet uh, segment. But hey, we have this car here, Joseph. You you drive these cars. What's your thoughts on the new two-wheel drive buggy here? I didn't even look. Okay. Why why does it have people talking? Uh, it's just special? people people are just upset. Like some people are upset because like, hey, we just we gotta they're like they're putting out too many cars like too fast. But here's something that that caught my eye. I was reading <laughs> And it said, um, it was talking about all the problems that the other car had, like bending Ackermans and this and all this stuff. Oh, I'm like, you would have thought all this stuff would have been fixed. Uh, here we go. Performance is the only category that has been improved. For this generation, durability has also taken a step forward by resolving issues such as bending wing, wing mounts, steering bell crank screw breakage, and excessive steering linkage play. And then I think about how many people complain about our cars and I'm like, this is team associated and they have to fix this with a new iteration of the car. Hmm. Makes me wonder. Also additional new features designed with the racer in mind are integrated transponder mount plus four millimeter shock rod ends, tie rod, battery brace hardware and link and linkage included two wire and three wire containing clips, blah, 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 blah. The B6 Point three is the carpet AstroTurf variant with boosting a whole, a whole all-in-new HD slipper spring assembly. I think they've gone to a, a wider pivot, rear pivot as well. But I think some people are happy to see this car, and a lot of people are like, man, they just came out with, uh, when did they come out with this point two last year? I don't know. So this has sparked a big debate about manufacturers and bringing out cars too soon. But, hey, I mean, sometimes you just have to evolve. Like, you you have to bring out a new car to do new things, I guess. And But that's a subject we want to talk about later. I thought you might have looked at this, so I guess you didn't. 
So anyway, the new car thing, like I, I don't, I don't agree with that. Well, we're going to talk about. I've it. I never really agreed with that way of thinking because you don't have to get the new car, mm-hmm. and also usually that much isn't changed, so you can just get the new parts. And also, if you're seriously into racing, then you get a new car every year, regardless of if there's a new version or not. You get a new car. You know, and you race it for the whole year, then you sell it, and then you get another new car. So I, I never really understood that. Like, well, we're going to talk about more. It's of bad if you, if you're a hobby shop, yeah, then I understand. If you're a racer, I don't understand. All right. Well, it was just something I, w- I was reading online. People, you know, people making off. Um, this is something that I thought was weird. Um, hold on. You haven't, have you haven't really re- watched anything, but this is. I'm assuming this is a muffler clamp. It was hard to decipher from um, the English on Circus RC, but I'm assuming this is this is um it says it's a muffler grab. I'm assuming this is for the where the pipe and manifold connect. Have you seen this? like a ring i'm assuming that's where you i don't know it's for on road i don't know says one tenth and eight eight. yeah it has to be on road then okay so i didn't read that so i guess that would work in on road i'm not a big one piece uh pipe fan and offer it to be honest so okay so that's an on road pipe clamp i thought it was something else um and um, agama agama has released a new performance kit so I thought we'd look at that as well. You haven't looked at, you haven't been following any RC news, have you? At all? No, not really. So it looks like they just added some some performance parts that people are already running and released the Agama performance kit or are releasing an Agama performance kit. And they've got your favorite, your favorite option, but an aluminum. So Nemo Racing have introduced the new Agama A13, A9, A3, 19p or or performance edition eight scale nitro buggy the a319p is the next evolution of the agama nitro platform the constant drive development to for development and performance has cumulated in the a13 a319 performance so we have a new yeah, drive mean, uh, 17 17.5 caster block that's going to make all the difference well they have they've gone to 43 13 different pinion gears with a 47 tooth and 13 tooth clutch bell didn't yeah, be- so they're back to like the standard right instead of some ridiculous gearing yeah and then 17.5 that's really going to make all the difference i know you love them but it's in aluminum now uh center diff engine mount chassis so that's center chassis stiffener this is a team favorite part. Okay, it's included. It's, so it looks like they're, they've kind of just come up with a new kit and added some of their just performance parts, like the Derm Droop Screw, which I think is awesome. And you get it all in one kit, which is cool for the Agama drivers. Doesn't seem like there's anything like innovative or new. Hard graphite diff cases. Solid steel brake sit discs. Interesting. Interesting. But nothing new. But I guess the, the Agama drivers will like it, so that's good for them. And I think that's I don't really have too much news otherwise, and that looks like um Yeah. Um Traxxas has released this is something I know you're not into this, but Traxxas has released their new uh 
finally, I know this is where this is the first time Traxxas has followed somebody, but they started this. So they finally made their their no prep drag car, which is just taken off. No matter how much you hate it or don't like it, Joseph, it's super popular. So they've made their new Traxxas drag truck, which is no prep. So I'm interested to see what Traxxas is bringing to the table with this because the no prep drag racing scene actually started with the Traxxas slash. Still lots of people use the slash truck. So what Traxxas has done is they're going to make this drag car with all these, they're probably just going to make a new body, add some parts, and they're probably going to, I guarantee you this is going to be the fastest no prep drag car out of the box. Right here. That's good. If you can race just this class, if you have a class for this type of car, maybe this and the Losi car, it's going to be good. But you saw that that guy won $18,000 at the King of the Streets race, right? Oh, you didn't watch that? Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing, man. Think we'll ever have big press money, uh, big money races like that in RC? In, in racing, in our racing? I, I don't know. All right. I don't really care. Uh, you don't care. All right. Well, enough about that. Let's get on to, uh, I think it's time to go on to the Beach RC Bench Racing Q&A. What do you think, Joseph? Yeah. Sure. Let's do that. BeachRC.com, the racer's one-stop online hobby shop. Choose from all the popular brands and variety in stock with super fast shipping and great customer service. BeachRC.com still has the local hobby shop feel with all the benefits of the internet. BeachRC.com is the exclusive distributor for Ultimate Racing, JQ Racing, Pro Circuit Racing Tires, Nitro Lux Fuels, and Assault RC Performance Products. So, fill up your cart and check out at beachrc.com today thank you beachrc for supporting the podcast there is an affiliate link attached to the written description on this podcast if you guys can use that that really helps us beachrc is a brick and mortar hobby shop they're doing things the right way they put a lot of money back into rc so please go check them out use our affiliate link show them some love ask them for some nnrc decals when you place your order and they'll send that with some candy so joseph we have a few questions to answer this weekend. We also had a, I forgot to mention, we had a, a nationals this past weekend in America, the onward uh, carpet nationals at Coastal RC. So that's good to see. That's good to see. Wasn't a big turnout, but onward's kind of, kind of, you know, not as much, not really as, it's probably bigger in Europe than it is in America. All right. So I have a question from Ryan Van Riper. I think Ripper. Ripper? Riper? No, no, cool name. Don't know how to say it. <clears throat> Question for you. Do you think it would be best if for RC if our pro guys would stop pushing expensive hop-ups? Hop I, do, I do see some benefits to certain upgrades personally, but the majority of it is all just BS. What do you think, Josie? No, it wouldn't change anything. And again, you don't have to buy this stuff. The this is true. But standard products are good enough already. There's not, there's not a lot that you sort of need to buy. Mm -hmm. Not nowadays, anyway. No, tires and fuel, that's what's expensive. Uh, that's exactly my answer. Expensive. I said, you'd be better off spending than getting this super graphite insert that you're paying all this money, you spend that on tires and stuff. But I get it too. People like to hop up their cars and do this type of stuff. And that's appealing to people as well. I remember I had a guy leave the team once because he said, we didn't have any hop-ups for the car. 
or anybody made any upgrades for it outside of us or anything. So it's like, hey, I get it. You don't need it. But you know us RC racers. We'll spend $500 on a pit mat before we spend it on tires. But great question, Ryan. Uh, okay, KB Wolf. Actually, I missed his question two weeks ago. So this is his question. He goes, what's up, dudes? Been a while. Question, donuts or muffins, Joseph? Donuts. I'm a muffin man. <clears throat> muffin with my coffee. Also, how important is the battery charger you use? You use, and how many batteries should you bring to a track? Right now, I have a Traxxas charger and one Gen's Ace Redline Shorty Pack. Um, I don't know, man. As long as it charges it, <laughs> you're good. Like I, I'm not in that stock world where you have to have some supercharger or whatever, but. I just have a regular charger that can go up to 25 amps and I usually charge mine at around 8 amps depending on the, on whatever I'm charging and it's fine. What about you, Joseph? What do you think? Is a is a is a special charger needed? Maybe for stock racing, but nothing other than that. <clears throat> I would say that KB Wolf. Actually, and now he has another question because I questioned this week and he goes, "Joseph, lefty, pancakes or waffles?" I like this guy. He always asks us a food question. Pancakes or waffles? Uh, pancake. I'm going waffles, especially when you can make them yourself at the hotel. <clears throat> he goes, how are you guys? Anyways, this is for two-wheel drive buggy 10 scale. What are important setup jigs or tools to have? Maybe this is a better question for Wally, but go ahead, Joseph. Yeah, ask Wally. Yeah, I, I have think to ask the Wally. only thing you need really is a flat surface and a ride height gauge and camber gauge and a steel roller. That's Joseph's that's setup it. gauge right there. That's all you need. I'll ask Wally on the on the on the on the co on the live. Benjamin yeah. James did a great job of calling the nationals. I you dude's got an awesome radio voice and congratulations. I know he had fun doing that. He goes, with the eight-scale worlds canceled for another year, what are your top five tracks you would like to see to see get if they run in 2022? Go, Joseph. Top five tracks I want to run at? No, top five tracks you would like to see a worlds at if they were, if you had a... Well, it's a, going to be a red one in right. Spain, so... That's where I would want it. <laughs> That's like my pick That's to have it. That's how it's going to be. But if I could choose where the next worlds would be, I would choose. I don't even know. I choose Las Vegas, and a purpose-built purpose-built track. Why? Everybody could get there, and I think about actually, like getting spectators there to look at it with bleachers and shit like that, and pamphlets. I have to say pamphlets to irritate pamphlets. to irritate David. You've said pamphlets okay. for the last three months. Pamphlets, pamphlets, pamphlets. Okay. What other track would you like to see then? All right, let's do it like this way. We'll do okay. In America, where would you want to? Where would you want to have a Worlds? If you had to have one next. In year? America. Um, Actually, I think SCRC. An existing track. Yeah. An existing track in America. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to think what's the best track I've been to in America. Oh, my, my favorite track is Santa Barbara, but it's just not big enough to have a world. 
I think SCRC yeah. can do it because they're the way they're set up now. Uh, or Thornhill would be my two choices. Eat Thornhill because it has a roof and you ain't got to worry about weather. No, not Thornhill. You don't like that track. No, it's all like yeah, polished, polished surface. Well, like I do it at yeah. SCRC then. Great facility. Yeah, that could be fun. Lots of space, covered pits. You know, I think that would be a great chase choice. Travel might be a little difficult though, a little bit odd. But I guess you could fly into El Paso. As for Europe, Redavon, I'm gonna have it at Redavon. Uh Asia, where would you have it? Uh, the Philippines track. The you seen the new one? Circulo Verde. Yeah, yeah, that would be nice. Africa. Oh, um, then the Vietnam track is actually good too. Yeah. The race I went to in Vietnam, that's cool. Or the one in China, the SIGP, that one in uh, where they had the 10 scale yes. worlds. Yeah. Yeah, that one that one was nice, really nice. That would actually be a nice place to have the worlds. I would like to if we was going to go Africa, I would have to say to that place that we I keep forgetting the name. That's an awesome looking facility as well. South Africa has some nice yeah. facilities. And Latin America, man, it would have to be in Brazil. Or, Brazil has some nice tracks. Yeah. I wonder if we'll ever get to go to Brazil for the Worlds. I don't know, but I think we should go there for our RC trip anyway. Yeah, regardless of what. I have an idea about, I have a great idea for uh, future RC trips, but you know RC what? races. I has see. to do with invisible speed. Okay. Remind me later, I'll tell you. I see that they're starting to race again in South America. And I was looking, you know, we're coming, I was looking at our tour back. And I think we did a lot of good things for Latin America racing. We got people to get some eyes on it on our tour. We went down there and all that type of stuff. I would love to go back down there and definitely go on the death road this time. Not the easy road. No. All right. Definitely not. <laughs> we don't know what we was, but remember, we went on that mountain that night at nighttime and we was going to Chile from Bolivia. We don't know what was down there. We just saw lights. We don't know how close we was to the edge because we couldn't see. I know. It's good. It was dark. I just, rem the, out of that hill trip, I just remember that guy getting, that American guy who spoke English just getting off in the middle of nowhere, like off the bus. And I'm like, is this guy going somewhere to kill himself or what? Like, we didn't see nothing. Like, no lights, no nothing. He's like, yeah, get, let me off right here. I'm like, what? Crazy. All right. So Douglas Reek, he actually sent me this question. He goes, how do you calm your nerves? It cost me a bump from the B to the A man this past weekend because I got the shakes. So how do you calm your nerves? I told him, oh, I used to slam a bear before I went on the driver's stand. Well, that's one way. <laughs> the best way really is to just have a lot of uh, laps on the track, a lot of track time. When you are comfortable with the car, the car is easy for you to drive. You're comfortable with it. It's much easier to not get nervous and then i guess in the moment i think that it's a sort of it's just a mental game like you have to breathe deep focus on the moment not start thinking about anything else like just what the car is doing in the moment and which line you want to hit and that kind of stuff like not it's it's a kind of sort of difficult thing like don't you, you shouldn't think about what you are doing, but at the same time, you have to think 
you have to focus on on uh, the car and what it's doing. So you aren't you aren't sort of detail thinking. I'm going to turn here. I'm going to use my brakes here. Now you aren't thinking at that level, but you're watching the car and and uh, you are sort of imagining the line that you want to make through each section and just like be in the moment, not worrying about anything else. I think you have a little ritual too. I've noticed you wait to the last minute to go over to the driver's stand, like literally. And I've noticed that. And I've, me and Mike talk about it and we f- figured out that that's your ritual. Like you wait, wait, wait. Uh, yeah, because like, when you don't go over there, you don't have time really to worry about it and get stressed or nervous. Mm-hmm. So you just go there and then you go drive. But then I've seen you, you completely know? come apart. And heard you completely come apart of over the simplest thing. What the f? You left. They're like you trying to beat me with one one hand. What you just got? Stupid. Let's go to this race in Florida. Spend all this time and money, and then in the main, you are trying to beat me with one one arm. See, now you've given me a complex about pitting people. Yeah, but what is that? Get someone to pick that fucking car up. No, you've given me a complex now. And you know what? It didn't matter because your, your tires came unglued that race anyway. Yeah, which the J Concepts guy actually glued for I know. me. He was mad at AJ too. Uh, and I remember yeah, you I saying, glued them. I remember you saying one time, hey, I'll clean your tires for you. He's like, no. And I was like, why? Because if I clean them, I only have myself to blame if they come unglued. I was like, good idea. I'll never offer that again in life. Kevin yeah. LaChapelle, man, that's my boy. He's doing a good thing for that young kid up in Quebec. Kudos to the Quebec. RC community that's come together and raised over $15,000 for this GoFundMe that will be in the written description of this podcast. And remember, all the super chat, super, super chat donations next from next week's live Toe of Satan torture that I'm going to do is going to this GoFundMe. So, open question. Are people overcomplicating the hobby with people tearing nitro engines, tearing into nitro engines all the time and only talking about hop-ups? Going back to topic, how can we be more newbie friendly? I think people make things overcomplicated. I don't think so. Some people enjoy that side of the hobby. I don't don't think it's overcomplicated. I think to be more newbie friendly, we just have to have better race formats and and more accessible racing. That's it. Like right now, we race in a way where if you want to race bigger races than the sort of weekly club race, then you have to be somehow mentally damaged because the amount of time you have to spend at the track for the amount of fun that you run time, run time. Let's get that right. Is Yeah. It's just, uh, it doesn't make any sense to an intelligent, normal person, you know? So you need to be somehow damaged to be like, Hey, for this, 12 minutes of runtime I get, I'm going to spend 16 hours. Yeah, that's, that's normal. So we need to change that. So we need to make it more accessible. So people who aren't completely gone mentally can also enjoy this hobby. They can go to the track for five hours, have their fun, and then leave. That's That would help the newbie a lot because the pool of people who could potentially race RC would be bigger, but it's because it's not all the sort of whack jobs. It's actually more a bigger group of people who could potentially race. Also, I think 
like when I had Mark Santamaria on uh, uh, two episodes ago, everybody has their stage. Mark Santamaria's stage is getting the bachelors into racing, right? Then once they get past that stage, they, they, they come to a middle stage and then they find like this podcast, they find your, your work and that's like for, which is all beneficial, but we need, he's good at getting the people in and getting the basics going. But once you, once you get into racing, that's when people will geek out on your videos and all these other guys doing engine tuning videos and listen to us ramble on for five hours and stuff like that. So it's all stages. I think we need every part of it. So we, you know, we need the, the technical side too. Like you said, some people love that stuff. I don't. I used to, but I don't know anymore. When you go in science mode, I just zone out. Mike Walker, what's up, Mike? How you no, doing? It's just because you can't understand it. No, it's because I don't you race don't have anymore. have the mental capacity. I have the mental capacity. I just don't <laughs> race anymore, and it doesn't interest me. So go f yourself. Anyway, ask your last questions. I need to go. I have no, a no. Mayako member live stream. Yeah, well, they can wait. This is important. No, this, they can't. Yes, this is. Why does Joseph choose to con- uh, Mike Walker? Why does Joseph conceal choose to conceal? What does Joseph choose to do? Conceal or tuck his balls rather than let them hang out? Like other brands, asking for a friend. I think it's talking about when you did your... What? I think it's talking about when you did your mangina tuck uh, ask, ask again. Mike Walker, why does Joseph choose to conceal or yeah. tuck his balls rather than let them hang out like other brands? Asking for a friend. Maybe he's trying to say you want to... Uh, why? Pillow balls? I don't know. I mean, I tuck... If he's talking about the, the, the Ghani shower incident... <laughs> I talk just just to sort of uh, not make people uh, jealous. Well, that making jealous people jealous part didn't really work because then another picture resurfaced <laughs> many years later. So nobody's jealous of you, John. Yeah, but that was a bad angle. That was a bad picture. <laughs> oh it was just a, not a good angle. If you guys want to hear more about that, we told that story of uh, early last year, I believe, uh, on when we was doing the story. So oh, did we? Yeah. Wyatt Gaskins, oh PMB, PMB Nitro Picks. I don't know. We have to wait and see who's all going. Also, I heard somewhere Live RC is covering it. Uh, yeah, Live RC is covering all race time events. They're also covering all SC, SRC events. The guy, Josh Garbett. It's like all these races are now one up in each other or trying to. That's good. You know where this all. St- like DNC's always had Live RC coverage, right? Well, Live RC's coverage was really much better this year and very RCGP ish. So kudos to RCGP for making all these other races step up their game. I can't clap. That's how I clap. So, yeah, that's cool. We're going to get to watch these races. It doesn't, it doesn't mean anything for the people that are there. It, it's for the people like me who are going to be sitting at home watching it. Like, I'm loving it. But, yeah, kudos to the, to the tracks going out and getting. The, it's good. We got to watch a, a bunch of races this year. That's good. Uh. I'm really happy about that because so kudos to those race to promoters for going the extra mile and getting live RC there. Justin Huglin, let's play a game. If these personalities raced RC cars, which brand would they choose to drive? Dale Earnhardt, what car would he drive? I don't know. Associated. He races in circles. And Associated because Associated is American or Techno. <clears throat> Coolio, I don't know what he would drive. A Slash. Because he just, I, he, I don't know what Coolio would drive. What would he drive? You know who Coolio is? I don't know. Any, I'm sure he's a rapper. 90s, 90s yeah, rapper. 90s. He's still yeah, got brains, but he's bald like her, like, you know what I mean? 
No. Okay. I don't know what he'll drive. Tom Brady, a winning car, Kyosho. No, well, they don't win anymore, in it. Um, I don't know. Grogu. I don't He'd know. be running a techno with Tebow. <laughs> I don't Emperor Cusco. I don't know. Those are hard questions, Justin. He asks pick better people. <laughs> pick people some people actually care about. He's asking, also, who's your pick for SCRC Sun City Raceway race? I know lots of folks are gearing up for PMB, but I'm betting a lot of talented folks show up for some, some outdoor action. It looks like Anthony Westergaard built a masterpiece. Yes, he did. My pick is Cole Ogden because he's going, and I think Cole's riding the high from DNC. He's been to, to uh, Sun City many times to race, so I think he's, 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 he's on form right now. So my pick's Cole Ogden. In fact, I was just watching the 2017 Nationals before we got on her. And he was flying there, too, watching yeah. Mayfield throw his radio. And he blew up. You'd realize that Mayfield hasn't made a finals in the Nationals in three years. It's pretty amazing. Really? Yep. Toby Hampson, what do you think is better as a driver? To be a single-class specialist, say eight-scale only, or to compete in multiple disciplines, i.e. eight-scale, ten-scale, and or on-road? And a follow-up question. Do you think one discipline helps the other and why or how? And conversely, can you can one negatively affect the other? How and why? The best is probably to focus on one. That's the best way to be the best. Really. But, but if you combine them, then I guess on road you stick to on road and off road you stick to off road. That's it. Well, I look at Dustin Evans, I always bring up his name because he's a 10-scale specialist. And when you ha- and all these 10-scale specialists, and when guys like Ranafog and Angaro can pick up a 10-scale car and almost beat these guys, and Mayfield and these guys are still competitive, I mean, they race both things, I, I think... Yeah, but if someone like Mayfield focused on one, he would be even better. Maybe. Yeah, that's true. Not maybe, for sure. And do you think any class, do you think one discipline helps the other more than one? Uh, I think if you run 10 scale cars, I think it helps you in eight scale. If you have limited time, you know, sort of to race and practice and whatever, and or sort of split season, like you race 10 scale in winter, Mm -hmm. eight scale in the summer, I think 10 scale helps eight scale. Yes. But I don't really think eight scale helps 10 scale. It's not really. Yeah, it's a little slow. The 10 scale helps because of the it's so precise and fast and uh, also for setup you notice the small things mm-hmm. in a different way and it's just it sort of helps you mm-hmm. then you go to eight scale and it sort of everything feels a bit easier and slower and yeah i, I would say it helps all right and adversely he asked what does what hurts ra- you're racing i would say honestly e-buggy and truggy man because I see far too many people that have that are that have that can be in the A mains for E buggy and Truggy, but they're in the C mains for Nitro buggy. And I think if they, focus- I think the reason is too many classes hurt your racing because you can't prepare and focus on anything. Mm-hmm. So you just kind of and those classes need it everywhere. Yeah, and those classes need the least amount of preparation. To be honest, Truggy, you can kind of set it on with a setup that you had on it from two months ago and you know drive it e-buggy easy yeah. but i think the power in e-buggy okay, i need to go mayako membership live stream see that's why you need to be a mayako member now we're going to talk about spain testing 
the new car. So no, we have a couple more questions, and then I'm out. Go. You have two more questions, and then you can go. And this is actually a Mayako question. David Bauman. I have 60 seconds. That's My it. question. Will Mayako pre-production Mayako performance members get 3D files to modify it for them for testing? He got a 3D printer and CNC machine in hand. That's why he's asking. I mean, yeah, there could be some 3D files that you can print if you have a printer. Yeah, why not? Jerry Jordan. This started a whole lot of thing. Who the fuck cares? Fuck cares about RC. Just go away. This old guy freaked out on me this weekend, and then he got ripped a new asshole. Right, RC. Did JQ go to Juan Carlos, Juan Carlos Canas track and race? What was the best RC track in Spain? What country has the best overall experience for an RC vacation in Europe? Uh, Spain or Italy have the best sort of RC vacation situation going on. Yeah, I would say that. Yeah, Sp Spain and Italy, I would say. All right, Joseph, we got a few more questions to go, and then um, I'm going to go to the Techno RC uh, main interview with Charlie Swanka, and you can go do your Mayako uh, meeting or whatever, you know, your corporate now. So, you know, whatever. This question is from Danny Newman, and he asks, with a new car brand, JQ question, with a new car brand, would you ever try something new? and swap the fuel and exhaust to the other side of the car so the radio tray and servos would now be on the left side if looking at the car from behind? Uh, no, not something like that. But Mugen's like, car used to be like that. Yeah, but there's no reason to do that, I think, now. Like, it's pretty standard mm -hmm. what we have as the layout. But I think for a brand-new car, brand-new car, new brand, I think... It's a bit too risky to do something very radically different because it needs to work for everyone in all conditions, which is hard to test for and takes time. And also the market needs to accept it. And also people need to do what they normally do and the car needs to perform. So you can't have a car that requires very different thinking, different setup, setup and all that stuff. Because people will do what they normally do, it won't work, and they'll think it's crap. You can only sort of introduce that kind of stuff, I think, over time. When you have had you have had something on the market, it's been accepted, and then you have tested enough so you know that it works, and then you can introduce something that's more radically different. That's what I think. Because then it can be accepted easier. That's my view. Well, we got lots of examples of companies that kind of try to do things a little differently. Like, remember Team Magic and their car? And even yeah, Durango well, when that, they came out. That's not really a... Team Magic isn't a good example of that because I think they made sort of the gimmicky, mm. gimmicky stuff that was different. I think there are examples Pictor. of successful story. Yeah, Picta would be one example of that. Like, yeah. well, and they only really had the shock. Shocks were laid down, but there uh, there are some examples of successful companies or successful stories like that, like the um, automatics yes, who made yes, a very yes. radically different touring car, and it actually became the new standard. Mm -hmm. 
or in eight scale TLR when they made their car. It was actually quite radically yes. different. The shocks were bigger, engine in the middle, weight far forward, geometry was different. So they, they actually succeeded in doing that, but they took, yeah, a few years to develop that also. So, so it is possible, but it's hard to do and it's risky. So if you want to do something, you know, in a year, basically, like, okay, let's do this and one year later have a car, then you really can't do that. You need to do something that's safer and then develop into something uh, different. That's true. Uh, it's it's kind of also like the that front-wheel drive, two-wheel drive that that guy has out. Like, it works and it looks cool and it's innovative, but I don't think you're going to see a class. Wait, I mean, it would be cool. It's just too, like now that we need another class, like a front wheel drive class, or is it compatible, or, or is it, uh, is it able to race against regular two wheel drive cars? You know, so it, it takes passion too, passion and money. So, uh, but Automatics is actually a really great example. They're doing some revolutionary stuff, man. Really and truly. Yeah, yeah. Ten scale touring car and now twelve scale also. Yeah, amazing. All right, Axel Owen. Man, I don't know why I'm getting feedback from you. I think uh, my headphones are a little bit too high when coming through. Since Mayako will now have adjustable diffs and the JQBE has removable shims, can you go into a bit of uh, into a bit of the setup changes between the two and which and which track styles and why? Because I know it's an invisible speed, and we ran it at DNC. But hearing your voice, like <laughs> your Morgan, your Morgan Freeman of RC books and tape, is so much better. So Axel wants to know about the adjustable diff heights. Diff, yeah. So diff height, I would say it. It kind of depends a bit on everything on the car. It's you can't you can't generalize diff height if you don't know the rest of the car geometry. You know, if it's if the geometry is very different, then what I say won't necessarily apply like this. But eight scale buggies, the height of the diff and the geometry, they are relatively close to each other. So I would say in general, it works like this. So a higher diff will have more corner speed naturally. It carries more corner speed, easier to maintain your speed through the corners and the car will drive a bit stiffer. So as you, like on and off power basically, but mainly on power, when you drive, the car doesn't want to roll or dive or squat as much. So it, it feels stiffer. And it's normally the faster set setting. So generally you want to run your diffs high. And then when you would lower them would be for bumps or difficult rough edgy tracks you know where you need the car to be a bit soft and drive soft and handle the the track surface better and give you a bit more comfort then you would uh, lower the diff so interesting i know this is something you like to tune as well so it's interesting to see what you've come up with the Mayako and if this can be yeah, done. Yeah, so the problem quickly. with the Black Edition, for example, was that it was 
it's kind of I I remember in the past some some companies or some people just like raise the whole gearbox, but they raise everything, so they aren't really making a change there because they are basically lowering the chassis. You could say also, you know, like you are, if you change the ride height back. If you readjust the ride height, you'll end up in the same position. Mm-hmm. You've changed the center of gravity like minimally. But you, do you see what I mean? Yes, like you're, not- you're changing the ground clearance right, of right. the car. You aren't really raising the diff. So to raise the diff, you need to only re- move the diff right. in relation to the rest of the geometry. So that's what you can do much easier on the Mayako buggy. So, so it's actually like just raising the diff in the gearbox, like. The actual diff well you'll see how it's done later but it's like 10 scale cars have this these days four-wheel drive okay. 10 scale cars like associated and yokomo and now x-ray uh, have it too okay so you can just raise and lower the diff independently of the rest of the st- of the car sweet sweet i get it i understand so he also has another question and this is concerning rear toe is there a big difference with running the 2.5 block and adding or subtracting outside toe with hub inserts to get uh, 3 to 3.5 or, and then again, 1.5 rear toe? He says he's asking for a friend. Is there a different way? Of- no, no, he's asking, is there a big difference with running the 2.5 block and adding, he wants to run a 2.5 toe block? Yeah, and he wants to add, or you know, you know how guys flip the inserts to some guys use them to add, and then other guys flip the inserts to get less, or even less cam um, roto. You mean inserts in the hub? Yes. Well, I have the inserts in the hub for me. The best is to run zero, and then if you need more rear grip then you just add half a degree or one degree mm-hmm. more towing in the hub i never run them the other way i try to always run zero if i can mm-hmm. that seems to be the best and for the inboard towing i run 1.5 or th- three that's basically what i do so run a lot so that rear doesn't slide or run a bit so it can slide quite freely those that's for me the best options to do okay so you're not going in between that then at all no okay all right i know some guys do flip the inserts so all good i think that's all the questions we have josie you know what i know you gotta run off and do your mayako stuff so i'm gonna let you go and then i'll have you back on for the scrc dawn and quiet segment i gotta go put up the interview with alex um alexander hagberg he was last week <laughs> with charlie swanker it was actually a great talk of alex too by the way he reminds me of you a lot like very uh, Why is that? robotic in his talking huh he's very like monotone like you and uh explains oh, yeah. things he likes to go full into full expl- explanation uh, explanation mode. but it was a great podcast so joseph go off and do your mayako thing Guys, everybody, thank you for the questions for the Beach RC Bench Racing Q&A. Remember, there is a <clears throat> an affiliate link in the written description of this podcast if you can use it. It helps us out a lot. Thank you guys for everything. And, hey, thank you to Beach RC for supporting it. Now on to the Techno RC main interview.
Techno RC. Techno RC. Techno RC is a premium manufacturer specializing in 8th and 10th scale high performance off-road RC buggies and trucks. Visit www.technorc.com for a complete catalog of their products. Techno RC. Excellence in engineering. Hashtag Techno Takeover. So I was watching RC Babble the other day, which is like a, a live stream from the, from, I think it's, uh, oh, Derek Bono, the guy, Jeff from XX Main. Velocity. Yeah, Velocity and um, XX Main. And who's the other guy? Vogel? Is that Vogel? No. Uh, oh. I forget his name. Uh, no, it's not Vogel. It's, the, it's, I'm going to go look. You keep talking. I'm going to go look. Right. So anyway, um, I was watching this the other day and this familiar voice came on. I also heard his voice at, on D, at DNC this past, uh, last month. I'd like to welcome Mr. Charlie Swanka. That's how Hi, you say everybody. your name, right? Very good. You're better than most. So I got to ask, where is Swanka? What does that come from? What? My, my dad comes from Thailand and my mom's side of the family comes from Ireland. So I'm half Thai and half Irish. And my joke has always been that I'm Thai-ish. <laughs> Interesting. I never knew that. Um, but now I do. So you have Thai roots and Irish roots. Awesome. Yep. Awesome. Awesome stuff. In case you guys don't know, Charlie, uh, he's been in the industry for an extremely long time. He's one of the best race callers. Uh, I think one of the best duos that you can have is him and Scotty uh, calling a race. In fact, I went and watched the 2008 Worlds a little bit today to hear these guys call it again. He's he's worked for Novak. He now works for Hobby Wing. He's, he's done everything in RC. <laughs> So, I, I grew up working at hobby shops even. Right. So, yeah. you know, I just, I thought it'd be an interesting conversation. I went and read some of your interviews and I was listening to RC Babble. I was like, all right, it's time to get Charlie on her. I asked him a while back. So here we are. Thank you for coming on, dude. And um, let's have some fun. If anybody ever told me that I'd be invited to come tell stories about RC, I'd have told them they were lying. So it's my honor to be here. So thank you for having me on your show, sir. No, it's all right. Because you have your own show too. So that's really cool as well. And um. All right, so I always like to ask people, how did this start for you? What, 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 when did you see your first RC car and when did you say, I want to do, or RC vehicle and I want to do this? Uh, my dad got me in RC cars. He raced go-karts the, as, for as long as I can remember. My dad raced go-karts. And the story that I've always told is that a couple of his friend's kids got hurt real badly. And every year somebody died on the, the, the tour, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And he got me into RC cars to keep me out of danger and not want to race go-karts because we could do all of the competition, all the tuning, all of the, you know, mm -hmm. as, as high end as you want. And it was safe. Like nobody got hurt. Do it in the wintertime because I grew up in Illinois. So winter times, you know, there was nothing to do. And mm -hmm. that's actually where we got started was an indoor carpet track called Ebb Tide Hobbies that was in Antioch, Illinois. And, uh, Started racing carpet oval, I think, was what got us into it. Because my dad was a huge NASCAR fan. So when he found out there was little tiny oval cars that we could race, like, he was in hardcore. So started doing that. And then uh, that was I was probably eight or nine years old when I first got into RC. And we, we raced right away. My dad had a Tamiya Bruiser and one of those Porsche 959s. And I had a Tamiya Fox. And we went mm. and raced that. And it was a good time. So how was the race scene there in Illinois? And what, what are we talking about? Our early 90s or early 80s? Probably the 80s. Okay. I was eight, it was 88, 89. 
Okay, so like RC10 days coming up on the... Right. Yeah. Uh, the track had a banked oval, and then the ins- the the one side of the track, the the inner barrier opened up, and there was a Mick- like a Mickey Thompson infield with a couple jumps. So you turn in, jump down, do a U-turn at the back, jump up, and then come back onto the track, do the oval. And so that's the first thing that we went and did. And when my dad found out there was oval, we got pan cars right away. So there's bowling pan cars, and that was right when the Associated first did the LTO, the left-turn-only car that had all the batteries on one side. Mm-hmm. So it was right around that era is when we got into it. And then he found out there was more tracks besides this one, and we could go race other places and it was game on after that we went all over the place Trackside, uh there was a place called mcchesney park that was an outdoor track west bend which was a big banked outdoor old track as well so we raced oval for a long time it was, good. It, was it was fun yeah i would say in the 90s oval was really big uh oh, paved oval um that's where I got my first exposure from a magazine, RC car magazine, seeing the velodrome and all the cars looking like NASCAR. So- I, I raced at the Indiana and Major Taylor Velodrome. That was one of the first like travel races that we went to. The tr- I mean, for I was 11 or 12, probably the track was huge. And then we were standing in the grandstands. 20, 30 rows up, looking around this huge. You guys have seen these velodrome tracks. It's yes. like a bicycle racing track. Yes. It's massive. Awesome, awesome. So you're you're running oval. You're doing the, the tour in Illinois. When do things start? When do you switch your focus back to off road? And like the nineties, we're talking about. This is when ten scale was at its was booming. That's right. And so my, uh, my dad moved to California. I finished high school, so I took like probably a year and a half off of RC. Mm-hmm. Got my driver's license. I drove to my, myself to races and stuff like that with my old man for without my old man for a couple of years, and you know learned how to work on the cars a lot more and motor tune. And all the things that my dad used to do, I kind of took over. So I really got kind of hands-on with the cars. And then once he moved and we, you know, I was staying with friends for my last year of high school, I think. Mm -hmm. I didn't have like a place to rent or store all this stuff. So I didn't race. Okay. And then when we moved to Southern California, found out about SoCal Raceway and the hook was set again. So I was like 19 when I got back into it and we went full swing. We started racing on-road touring car and touring car was amazing. So I got into touring car real hard in, I want to say it was 98 or 99. Okay. So in peak touring car, this is when Barry Baker was booming and oh yeah, this is when touring car was bigger than offer it. Okay. I used to live with Derek Furtani in SoCal and raced at SoCal Raceway and hung out with Kinwald and all those guys at the on-road track. Toso would come down on weekends. I mean, it was like national championships every club race that was there. So you you got fast real quick hanging out with these guys and just like sitting there watching them work on their cars and then do that to your car and then watch them work on their cars and then do that to your car. So. Picked up a lot, monkey see, monkey do stuff. Yeah, it's it's that's what I love about California, man. You're just surrounded by RC. That's why I call it the Mecca all the time. You mm-hmm. can race hot rods on a Tuesday night. I'm talking off road. You got OCRC, and back in the day, it was even more. And the best were coming there to race. Mm-hmm. So you had no choice. You had to get better. That's I when I first started noticing people doing race vacations where they'd go out of town and like go hang out in SoCal for mm-hmm. a week or two just to go club race. I'm like, what are you doing? No, you just I in know. town for a couple of days, brought your RC stuff to come covers. Yeah, man. SoCal is awesome. All right, cool. Yeah. I love it there. In fact, yeah. uh, I'm planning to go there and hang out there for a week after um, Silver State here. Mm. So it's a good time. Yes. I love, I just, I love being embarrassed in the art. It's so much history and so much, you know, so much cool stuff happened in California. Uh, when I ever I go there, I just feel like I'm reliving like when I was skateboarding back in the day and you know, it, oh, it's just it's, awesome. 
it's very much the mecca of RC. That's where all of the old school manufacturers kind of blew up and got their foothold in racing because they they grew racing. You know, mm. they're back in the early seventies and eighties. So for sure. Yeah. So on road, you're doing touring car. Uh, what? Where are you working? Like, are you working in the industry now, or how are you doing? Um, when I moved to Southern California, I I worked at a couple of hobby shops. I worked at Ultimate Hobbies. Uh, I worked at Max Tech. I don't know if you guys remember yes. Max Tech, but mm-hmm. I, I worked at Max Tech for a little while with Curtis and Joe and uh, uh, Super Rat. I had some so of their motors. It was good stuff. I yeah. mean, and for me, it was super cool because they were made in America. Like mm-hmm. all of that stuff came from other places in the United States and we mashed them together in the warehouse and sold American made motors. I thought that was, our, it was a very cool experience for me and they made bodies there and all that. So I got real hands on with some level of motor winding and, you know, manufacturing and seeing what was going on with all that stuff. And then my dad got me a job doing tool inspection. He worked for an aircraft tooling company. I worked there for a minute. And I was hanging out at SoCal one day racing, and Tyree was there. Tyree Phillips was the team manager for Novak at the time. Mm-hmm. He says, hey, we got they're, – they're trying to hire somebody to do tech support and customer service. You should go fill out the application. I had raced for Novak in my oval days years before. Um, we were pretty pro oval racer guys. My dad spent a lot of money traveling, so we got some sponsorships and stuff yeah. like that. Uh, but – because we had kind of a foot in the door with Novak from being sponsored, he kind of knew that we knew the ins and outs of everything because we were way into it. So I went down for an interview at Novak, and I got the job and started working there in, I want to say, 99 or 2000, something like that. I thought it was probably 99. And then I worked there until they went on a, until they closed their doors. Um, geez. It's such a painful memory. I don't know what year it was, but it was four or five years ago type of thing. Yeah, it's upsetting. We're going we're gonna to talk about Novak. I just wanted to rewind a, a little bit back to Oval because I used to listen to uh, Kirby and, mm. and Gotti and those guys on, on mm-hmm. RIP, and they to always mm-hmm. talk about Oval. And I remember reading about Dwayne and, and his brother. The Silver, Silver Brothers. Yeah. yeah. I raced with those guys. I yeah. raced Kirby Hand way back in the day at the Triclone, in fact. Really? He, he, our asses. He came in from nowhere and smoked everybody. It was now, awesome. Did you ever go over to North Carolina to King RC? Because I was always told they had one of the best paved ovals ever. That place is amazing. I made the main when we went out there for the Nationals and whatever. They had the Nationals and they had another big race that they called it the Kings. I forget what the name of the race was, but I went. we went out for those and we made the main in both of those and it was awesome. So, like, I... What were we looking at, like, in oval days? Like, number-wise and, and people racing and stuff like that? You, you had to be on lead lap to make B mains, I think, back mm-hmm. then. Um, and there was 100 dudes per class, probably, wow. I want to say. Like, the races were huge, and there right. was just stock and mod for the most part. There wasn't a lot of other classes. So you either ran stock or you ran mod is the way that I always remembered it. And we got into racing stock for a while. I think... I still think my dad was kind of a cheater back in the stock days because we won a, we won a lot of stock races, but I don't know. <laughs> he was in the gray area. Who knows? Yeah. Back then, you could get away with a lot of stuff. But uh, jokes aside, uh, we raced stock for a while, did real well, moved on to modified racing, and that's when we kind of met a lot of pros. Back then, like uh, Todd Putnam was the motor guy for Trinity. Uh, we got to meet Jim Dieter. He invited us over to teach me how to build front ends and work on cars. That's when we kind of got sponsored by Trinity back in the day and got to go to Whippoorwill and race with those super huge pros that we'd only ever read about. So that was tons of fun. And I mean, that was still all like before I was 15 or 16 type of deal. So, so what, what happened to Oval to make it just disappear? 
I'd say the same thing that happens to most forms of RC that, that fade. People get too good at it, and it gets very hard to get into it and compete without learning this new language and science of how to build a car, tune a car, where the shims go, all that stuff. That I, I mean, for a lot of folks, they get in RC because they just want to have a good time and race, but um, there's a lot of preparation and tuning and building and tinkering and really hardcore nerding out more so with oval than the reason it even is with touring car these days. So I think that as it gets more complex, it, t- it becomes a who you know thing and the teams become a big deal and it gets a little clicky with, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, cause you have to have like, you could spend all this money on a vehicle, go to a race and have a real bad time. And then you go to the next race and you meet the right guy that tells you where to put your shims. And all of a sudden you're having a great time. So now if, that guy, if you got to keep this friend circle going, so everybody you know keeps the the happy train, because it becomes this huge pool of knowledge. The competition is is super super tight. I think these days to make the main in an oval race, you got to be within. I mean, the laps are like three or four seconds on most of the oval races these days. So you got to be within a second or two to make the main. They like spread the top ten out over a couple tenths a second type of deal. So I mean, it's very very intense, and I think that makes it hard for folks to stay involved because. It's a it's a very high level of competition mm-hmm. that is not suited for everyone, and some guys thrive on that, and they it's where the oval you know comes in. Well, dirt oval is really big uh, right now, mm-hmm. and it's something I've never you know I've never seen I've anything like it. I went to a, a backyard oval track in North Carolina with my buddy. I like the scale look of the sprint cars, and I got a, I got a plug. Shout out to my sponsor Papa Willie's. He's big into. Uh, into oval if you have if you want to hit him up traction tonic use uh, the promo code nnrc good guy it's something i definitely would like to do i mean we have a superstar like tony stewart that owns custom custom works and Ch- uh, chili bowl he was yeah. a big part of that chili bowl race that's i got to party with tony stewart because of an rc car race so i'll tell that story later really i would love to get him on her and um talk about that stuff one day so yeah i mean he loves rc cars he loves the the the, the competition formats that are there how close it is he's a fan of motorsports mm-hmm. so that, that he bought an rc car company and did some stuff with it, it oh yeah, yeah. max floor uh runs for him and he's he's like the oval king right now so the panda max is a super genius when it comes to rc car nerd things really yeah and he's a wheel man he's smart dude he's super smart you know what dirt oval thrives dirt oval is one of those things where someone can drive your car faster than you can still in other forms of touring car let's say or maybe Mm -hmm. oval once you get the car right it's somebody can't probably pick it up and drive it faster than you, but dirt oval, there's still a craft there. Mm-hmm. So you can outdrive someone, so to speak. And mm-hmm. I think that's why it's so good right now. And the way that dirt oval racing is going with this kind of like semi loose situation, pin tires and non pin tires, you got a lot of variables still that are keeping it from getting that ultra honed in situation where you can treat it like dirt racing, which I think is unique. these days. I think it's awesome, man. And I think anything that's raced alongside full scale racing is extremely awesome. Uh, any type of exposure that we can get to our industry, I'm all for it. Uh, Motorama used to be that way. We would have the RC car races at Motorama, and you'd get, I'd see the kids come out between their dirt bike races, and they'd line the fence, and their moms would be standing back there, and I'd, I'd, I'd be announcing, and I'd announce, hey, moms, you know, this is much safer than dirt bike racing. I can't tell you that it's a whole lot cheaper, but it's a whole lot safer, and the moms would all applaud. I'm like, that's Oh, I'm sure. Good. I mean, that's an untapped market that we're not tapping right. into right, right there as well yeah. um 
Uh, you know what? I know we're going to have just a great podcast. I just can feel it already. Um, <laughs> He's excited. He, I'm excited too. No, I love it. You know, when you get that connection and I love the old school stuff and um, I just love it. So yeah, Dar- Darnoval's cool. We need to get Tony Stewart on this podcast. Um, Talk to Scotty. He knows him real well. I'm going to have Scotty on her too uh, as well. And talk He's got to time these days. I know he's not over in Asia, which uh, which I think is cool too. He gets to go over there and hang out with all um, those guys and do the one road so big over there, eight scale and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So, gotta get him on because I love you guys like tandem. Like I would love to see you him. I would love to bring Waldron back too, and then throw Nick Nick. Um, oh, he's gonna Nick Damon in with you guys, mm. and I think that's like the ultimate like combo. Right? I don't know who's gonna win because Nick talks a lot, Scotty talks a lot. You talk a lot, and Waldron talks a lot. So it would be like, I don't know, it'll be a battle. I I think I've a I've done bits with all those guys, maybe except Nick. Okay. Um, and yeah, you're right. When you get dual announcers, there's a craft to finding each other's tempos and all that. And I think that's one of the things. I grew up actually racing at Scotty's track when I was when I first got my driver's license. His was the first track that I could drive to because my dad knew that if I got in any trouble, I would get told on that like, you can go there and you can come home afterwards. And right. That's it. So I could go race RC cars at, at trackside. Back then, they were 45 minutes, maybe, well, I mean, an hour and 15 minutes from where I lived. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we got, you know, you could stay after hours, run laps, mm-hmm. and all that. So I, it was fun. And because I knew, grew up with Scotty's announcing technique, mm-hmm. I was able to blend in with him announcing races, I think, very well. Oh, well, you guys are definitely uh, a very good duo. I mean, it was so cool to see you guys do that virtual you was virtually there at dnc and you called a, a race with him and stuff i thought it was really cool man yeah it was neat so you were mentioning on the social media is 2008 worlds that's the the, the north carolina event that was mm-hmm. the first race that he and i worked together he called me up and said hey can you get a week off of work because we got something to do that's going to be pretty awesome and i'm like okay I know, well and let's the, talk about that in, because right? that's in my notes anyway because that was the I, I remember watching i was like oh i was telling my buddy i was like man I'm going to pay for the subscription so I could watch the world. I was really into RC at the time. Mm-hmm. And I had just got on her and I met some people here. It's like, I'm going to pay 20 bucks to watch this. And I had it on some janky internet in my, my, my rental bike place. And I just remember watching this and just being like this, like so amazed that I could watch this live. I mean, the closest was- I, I came to a live race was 2002 and Dagani won, and somebody was texting, uh, like it, you had to refresh on starting grid and somebody was just talking to somebody down there in Uruguay and they were posting like minute by minute. So you had to refresh. Oh, and they got into, or this person's out. And I was like, this is amazing. 2007. No. Uh, whenever the electric worlds that were in Japan, that mm-hmm. was on that ski resort, I was the live stream guy totally by accident, only because I had a laptop in my pits and I could get it on Wi-Fi. that I reported back to RC tech, and I told everybody what the results and like a little rundown of what happened during the race of each of the mains. And like, I was the first place that posted any information about the world championships. I'm like, this is pretty cool. I know. That still is on RC tech somewhere in the archive. Maybe it's 2003. I don't, I don't remember. It probably it, was earlier than that. I just remember somebody was doing it from talking to somebody in Uruguay. Vasa. Yeah. Vasa. 2007 was Vasa. So it must've been, it was 2005 or 2003 because they're odd numbers. Another great world. I was looking at uh, the four-wheel drive main from that yesterday. 
Mm, there, there are so many good world championships that we could talk about. Oh, I know. We're gonna, you're gonna have to pick your favorite one though. So mm. let's talk about that 2008 Worlds. It was groundbreaking for you guys. Uh, we got the first, like I said, ever to see a, a live race. I think, I think it was one of the first ones they did. I, I didn't even know that live streaming was a thing. Mm. I was kind of like technology challenged, and when they told me that we're gonna live stream this thing over the internet, I'm like, it sounds like porno, dude. This isn't gonna be good. But it, it. We get there and they got issues with the internet. Mm-hmm. And Brandong is the dude who runs Live RC, Rody. And he flew Jensen to Ohio to rent a satellite van, get in the van, drive the van back to North Carolina, and then set up the satellite so that we had internet. And then we had flawless broadcast. I remember that. that. I remember that was, all of that. That was crazy. Uh, I know. I rem- I've actually rented that track. I knew Lance and Gus really well. Nice people. It was a temporary track, if I remember. Like no. they had run club. No, no, they had run like club races there, but it, like it was a. They hadn't. It wasn't like had been there for ten years or anything like that. They had just like built this place with the intention mm-hmm. of hosting the worlds yes. a couple years later, type yep. of deal. That's was because yeah. right. Lance had his track in his yard before, right? Mm-hmm. And then he goes, "I'm making another track," and he built like we. I don't think we even saw a facility like this at this time. Lance Norick, right? Yeah, Lance. He's yeah. in uh, Oklahoma now. He's a construction guru of some sort, if I remember correctly. Well, right? he used to race NASCAR and Formula oh. 2. Yeah, and he used to race NASCAR trucks. I thought he was just a construction guy. My bad. Oh, he used to race, dude. He used to race. <laughs> Na- I, that Lance is cool. Um, really good people. They treated us good. My first ever big race was at his house. Mm. Okay. And um, even to this day, I, I message him now and then and whatnot. So really nice guy. And uh, he did, he put a lot of money into that track, and they put on one of the I would say one of the best worlds. I think they even had a jumbotron or something. There, something yeah, like that. that was the that was the talk of the event was the jumbotron because yeah. I could look out the window because you know technical difficulties happen inside the booth at all times, so mm-hmm. I could just like peek out the window and look at the scoreboard and tell what was going on. So that kind of like saved me on many occasions because without information announcing a race, you're just kind of like. Meh. Well, you guys done such a great job. You would have never thought this was the first time that you and Scotty ever worked together. By the time we got to the finals, we had spent a week together announcing. So it was like this very polished turd yes. that was like real good. It was really good. Um, like, yeah. Go ahead, Charlie. And I was just watching it today and I was like, yeah, these guys are really, we, we, we kind of missed that. You know what I mean? We're missing that right now in RC. Yeah, we, we, I've done like a whole bunch of events with him now, probably mm-hmm. t- 10 or more. And the feedback from people, like, I mean, I appreciate that. It's amazing to know that people are, they like what we do talking about toy cars. I mean, that's super impressive. Me, so thank you. Well, I think what you guys do is, is also, cause I think we need to cater to racers, but also cater to new people. So I think you guys do a good job of that. And it's just not calling out lap times and stuff um, like that. You, so I'm, I'm a jerk when it comes to nitpickiness and if, especially because of my role as a team manager and a sponsor of events mm-hmm. or someone who's trying to grow this hobby, no information going out to the general public about what the heck is going on on the track right now and questions that people have about this. So the biggest thing that any announcer out there can do is every once in a while, just tell people what's going on mm-hmm. so that if you got new people coming in the building, like, Hey, bring up some stuff. Like if you want to have questions or talk to somebody about how to get into racing, go in the hobby shop and just simple stuff like that. Just so that people know that these guys are friendly. They're not out here like super competent. Well, I mean, they are, 
but they have some of them are friendly. Yeah, you'll find a friendly guy. Yeah, you know we. This is a problem right now we're facing in RC. A lot of people are like, mm. oh, I don't want to disturb this person. I think it goes both ways. We can stop being assholes and stop being caught up in what we're doing and just take a take a breather and say, hey, that person needs some help. Go help them. And that but, person also needs to be willing to come ask for help as well. There's a time and a place. <laughs> Obviously, you don't want to go ask these guys when the B main's up and they're getting ready for their A main runs or you know, even in qualifying. Mm-hmm. When you go to approach the pros, not right after they just got done running, not right before they're getting ready to run. Like even say, hey, do you got time? When can I come back if you're busy? And that'll help you guys you know, get the, the time that you need to talk to these folks without interrupting them. They're here to do a job at events. Mm-hmm. They, they need to win so that they can keep their jobs and they also need to help you so that they can keep their jobs. Yep. So there's a little bit of a balance there. I mean, it, it goes both ways, but that's one of the things that I learned from working in Novak and what I tried to carry on at hobby wing is like the guys that work here, work here. I stopped racing because I did more to help people when I wasn't standing in line to go practice or I wasn't out on the track turn marshalling, I could give guys a hand soldering wires or watching their car run, flipping switches, stuff like that, giving them some feedback mm-hmm. on their race weekend. And that's, that's a huge deal. Cause I mean, these days watching RC car racing makes me sleepy because I've watched so many RC cars do laps and picked apart how either good, bad the car looks to me or how terrible they drive or whatever the case may be. But I mean, a little bit of feedback goes a long way for, for some of this stuff. So the getting someone to stand around and watch you while you're at a big race and give you some feedback can be helpful as well. If yeah, they actually pay I agree. attention. I agree with that. That's why Wally Builds is banging right now. You can hire Wally Builds to come and do all these things for you. I didn't know that was a thing in RC until very recently. And it's been a thing in motocross and stuff like that for a while. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm super excited to see this paid mechanic service come along. I got that in Thailand once years ago. We hired a dude to build my car and wrench on it all weekend. And all I had to do was drive. It's, it's great. Well, that's big in Asia, hired mechanics. Mm-hmm. A lot of mm-hmm. people hire mechanics and they do their type of work. Well, while he gets it to his, he's from the motocross background. What I want to start seeing is um, camps. Like, you know how they do yeah. motocross camps? Maybe right. we do get some of these young racers, right. do a summer camp, and maybe three days out theory in the morning, then on the track, stuff like that. Lots, there, of, lots of things we can do. There's starting to be a little bit of that now that some of the pros are doing those uh, clinics, if mm-hmm. you will. That They talk through a lot of that, which I think is important because there's so many things that we do wrong setting up cars to go out and have a good weekend that, you know, that'll transition into less to worry about where you're driving, and then you can focus on, polishing those skills as jq says i'm going to unfuck your car right now and it's (laughs) and it's basically most of the time it's just basic stuff you know so i i've i've uh unfucked a few cars in my day as well with soldering and simple camber thing check somebody's ride height like oh my god what are you doing your left and right ride height's not the same how's that gonna work dude we're not racing how long did you work with live rc and um did you try you traveled quite a lot with them how did you combine that with your real job and doing this so most of the time it came down to taking time off from work to do the live rc events at the time i was working for novak and i had proper novak was a real life company i had vacation time all that full stuff and could take personal days and all that so i would just schedule it out and usually try to do a friday and a monday so you could make two or three weeks of vacation you know make it through a whole season of racing no problem and then 
there were occasions when it was in Novak's best interest for me to be there as well. So it worked out good that it wasn't even a vacation day and yeah. uh, we got to do both and be on site team manager while I was there for live RC, if stuff came up, cause you know, most of your, I guess, electronics team manager duties can be done before and after there. You're not an onsite guy very much. If it's going wrong during the event, you got other problems to worry about. For sure. For sure. <laughs> but I mean, you're, you're immersed in RC, you're doing it for a living, you're traveling to these places, uh, you're getting to call races, you're getting to work at, at some of these places. What was one of your favorite events to do uh, while you worked at Live RC? Mm, live RC stuff. So from, I mean, you said how long? It was probably 2008 till about 2010 or 11 that okay. I did a bunch of events in a row. And it probably wasn't until the last couple of years that I had to start saying I couldn't go because of work situations. And, you know, I, I'm in the phones for hobby wing right now, so I can't really get a lot of time off. Right. But I get that. So for some of the stuff, it, it wasn't working out, but point being favorite event ever of all time had to be Thailand. I mean, 2010, any, anytime you go to Thailand, you're going to have a real good time. Never mind the fact that I'm from there. So I got to visit with my dad and his new family and my new half brother and all that. So that was great. But Thailand, the event itself, the racing was great. Cody King was awesome. It was great to see somebody. I don't want to say come from nowhere, but you know, the way that that all went down was pretty awesome. And then the horrors wanted to. Yep. Hara again, just coming from left field out and, and just off of the 2008 thing. I thought yep. he was going to win. So, um, but the, we, and the race is cool. Mm -hmm. The live RC crew one day, the track was closed early and we all got to get back to the hotel. We finished dinner and we had nothing to do. So I look at Brandon and I say, Hey man, we're in Thailand. We should go downtown and you know, see the sites. Of course. I, I, I know what to do. Don't worry. I'm half Thai, I say. So I tell Brandon, I'm like, I promise you, we will leave at 1 o'clock. I will get everybody into the tuk-tuk or the pickup truck or whatever we got to do. We'll be back to the hotel by 1.15 or 1.30 if the taxi takes us there. But we'll leave wherever we are at 1 o'clock, I promise you. And he looks at me, he's like, are you serious? I'm like, yeah, man. We can't, we can't not go out because we're leaving the day after and all that. I'm like, they were leaving. I wasn't. I was staying. But I'm like, you guys need to experience this. Because, like, some of the dudes that worked on the crew, the, the live RC guys, they were like, whatever, pretty. They hadn't been out of the country. They haven't been out of Wisconsin type of thing. So I'm like, dude, you got to take these guys out. So we went downtown and we went bar hopping and met some dudes that were um, – staying there and told us some cool places to go. And we went and saw all the cool things and it was amazing. And all of a sudden one o'clock came in the blink of an eye and I had to go grab everybody by their collars and drag them out to the street to go get into a taxi so we could back, get back in time. But the hey. nightlife in, in um, Phuket or Phuket is amazing. If you guys ever get a chance. Oh, to I want to go to Asia so bad. Um, I'm me. You just give me a plane ticket and I'll be there. I've, <laughs> I've literally hopped on a plane <clears throat> and wondered if I was going to be sharing a room with 20 people from like Sri Lanka or not. But, um, uh, I got to go to Amsterdam. I, I got the, sec the close second is Amsterdam. We came back from Vasa and mm. Rody had scheduled our tickets and he's like, I'm sorry, we got a 12 over 12 hour, 12 hour layover in the Amsterdam air airport. I'm like, you're sorry. We can, we, we can go to Amsterdam for like, eight full hours yeah, why and not? get back in time. So this is before smartphones and mm -hmm. all this, like you couldn't. So I go on like TripAdvisor or some Googled it and found out all the ways that we could store our bags 
get on the train, go to Amsterdam, check out the city, and then get back to the airport in time. So that was that was a really good time. Also, you got to make the best of it. Um, if you're gonna go places, then you you got to see the sights. When we went to Sicily for the World Championships, another live RC event, I I got to go to Rome for a day afterwards with Ricky, who at the time worked at uh, Red RC, and he's he's from Rome. Mm-hmm. So Scotty hosted. He, I was pretty broke at the time. I'm still mostly broke most of the time because motorcycles and RC cars. Ho- hobby things in general. So he's, he sponsored uh, the extra night and the travel and all that stuff through Rome and bought me food all weekend and even paid for my drink. So we had, we had a real good time in Rome with Ricky. That was another amazing trip. So, I mean, you got to see around the, the sights, world, man. Got to see around the, the world and seen some really cool stuff because of RC cars. So I mean, it, if, if you're going to travel the races, you put those bonus days in. It's all. For sure, for sure. I mean, <clears throat> Joseph and I did a whole South America tour, and we had a blast. And I'm always been adventurous. I like to I like to go where the locals are and do the local things and meet them and stuff like that. So I, it helps I can speak Spanish, too. So, like, I don't, you know, we walk with no fear. But, wow, we had fun in South America. And... I'm ready to do it again. So I, I haven't I haven't done South America yet, unfortunately. Okay. It's lovely there, man. I love it. Um, I think my favorite country so far. I love Colombia. Well, Tijuana doesn't count, right? Oh, that's Central America. That's Mexico. Oh. Oh. So that's actually Mexico. I, yep. I, <laughs> we was down in like Chile and Argentina. Beautiful mm. countries, man. Beautiful. Um, catching buses, and you know. He's all worried about, you know, they lose a bus a month, Keenan. They lose a bus a month on the roads. It's like, we're not going on that road. Take it easy. <laughs> and um, we just had a blast, man. And that was because of, I've traveled a lot because of RC indirectly, too. Uh, but that was directly because of RC. So it's so awesome. Uh, did you ever work with, did you ever call a race of Waldron? I'm trying to remember. I, uh, one of the live RC events, I think we did a little bit of side-by-side commentary, but mm-hmm. not, not a ton. Okay. I really enjoy a lot of people would say they didn't like his voice and he was irritating, but I actually enjoyed his commentary on races and I, I hate all announcers. I'll say it right now. I, <laughs> I there's not a single announcer out there that I can tell. And it's because I'm super critical of mm-hmm. these things. Unfortunately, I think it, whether it helps or hurts me, I don't know. Cause I think some of the stuff that I hate, I find myself doing later on, but, um, he, I, Waldron was a very, very interesting dude in the industry compared to your average RC guys. So I very think, interesting. Uh, I was always a big fan of, of Aaron myself. Me too. I, I found what he did. Like he was trying to be a pro racer and he's trying to work at Losi. And then he like found his niche in journalism. He was another guy that had kind of done a lot of different jobs, you know, throughout mm-hmm. the industry type of thing. So, so I'm always fans of folks like that. They're um, people of my own trade. Yeah, I tried to get him on her, but he was like, nah, I'm done with RC. So I was like, I get it, man. But if you ever change had, your mind. He had a bad falling out. Oh, I know. I know. As happens sometimes. Unfortunately. All right. Novak, because I used to run these ESEs. I remember having Novak uh, receivers and... Big company, I, I I I kind of I put it in my notes. I think Novak started the brushless revolution. Because, as far as yeah, yeah, go ahead. I, I have I have the story that at the time when I first started working at Novak, it was like I said ninety nine or ninety eight, and it was right around the time of the Cyclone C two. Tyree had come back from the World Championships, and that was like the first engineering meeting that I got to go to for the company. And we sat around talking about what was wrong, what was right, and then a couple months later after that we had another engineering meeting or this is, you know, we had several engineering. 
Mm -hmm. They sat us down and said they were going to introduce these brushless motors that were sensor-based because brushless motors were nothing new, Mm -hmm. but sensor-based brushless motors had only been done once before um, by a company called Avox. If I, if I remember correctly, they had this very strange motor that had like the wires coming out of the side of it and the sensor coming out of the back of it. It was silver. And they had one of those that, and it was a six sensor setup. It was a hall effect motor that was kind of executed poorly. So Novak's breakdown of this was, is that we're doing a three phase two pole motor so that it's very similar to the brush motors that are raced right now. And it's going to be the same size mm-hmm. as the brush motors that are out there right now. So you can take these and put them into cars without any major changes. And they're going to be the same speed as motors that are out there right now. They're just going to not wear out and they're going to give you more runtime type of deal. Like, well, that, what did you think when you heard that in the meeting? I, I thought it was fake. I'm like, you guys always told me stuff like this can't happen, that you can't just get more power for the same amount of runtime, or you can't get the same amount of power and just have more runtime. You're lying. Like this isn't a thing. So they had to tell me about brushless motors and break down like how they work. The dude drew a picture of how a brushless motor works to explain to, to my stupid self, how this worked and compared to a brush motor and show how this type of brushless motor was similar to the brush motors. So that this transfer of driving feel of the motors Mm -hmm. and all of that was going to be more similar more so was the fact that the magnets at the time that we were going to use were not rare earth magnets they were still going to be ferrite style magnets like brush motors use so they're even more similar and the powers were more similar and all that that sort of thing because the original idea is they needed to kind of race them side by side so that people could see the difference so in modified classes this was going to be a thing and i i think for a few years in the beginning, you could run brushless and brush motors together. I think you could still run brush motors mm-hmm. if you wanted to in modified class. But there was a transitional period where there was people still running brushed motors against brushless motors in the modified classes, like because of the feel differences and stuff like that. So. Well, I think it's. I think it personally saved uh, electric RC. It definitely. If we didn't have brushless, we wouldn't have e buggy right now, and that's one of the biggest classes growing right now. Yeah. I remember a lot of e- pushback. E-Buggy's been my favorite for the whole time. All right. Well, we say E-Buggy pays the bills on this podcast. It's, it's definitely growing. Um, actually, this week's live is going to be, is E-Buggy the future? One of the topics. When you, when you guys call Hobby Wing and you talk to tech support, I'm the guy that answers the phone. Sometimes I'm grumpy, so I apologize if we've had a bad conversation. But I talk to more folks getting into E-Buggy racing mm-hmm. than any other form of racing besides drag racing. Drag racing wins all of that right now, but we'll talk about that. Oh later. yeah, of course. It's it's definitely big, man. It's super but, big. I just don't. It needs to fill up at the nationals. I want to see two hundred e buggies at the nationals. Wow, because there's so many new people getting into e buggy right now. Mm-hmm. They're not trying to go out and I know. jump on stage at your whack ass concert and follow these <laughs> rules and do all these weird things. I know. So I think we're gonna see a point where these guys get good enough, consistent enough. They have a great time doing e-buggy they're like you know what let's go do a race vacation and see how we stack up against the pros i want to see my lap times compared to those lap times on the same track type of deal and i want to see e-buggy at the worlds or e-buggy worlds as well it's about time we had it that would be a wonderful format to do world cup where you have 200 entries Mm -hmm. and then you do a break off and then the top 30 run for the championship the lower 100 and whatever 
number minus 30, 170 is, mm-hmm. run that lower championship for all the famous. Yes, I liked what we, that's something you guys talked about in RC Babo that I liked. Um, the, the thinning of the herd in, in the competition needs to happen, yes. I think, unfortunately. I think because th- even in motocross, I mean, it happens, it doesn't happen, and it's not super rad to watch Supercross with lappers, to, you know, getting involved in all this. And in the RC, that's your D main, C mains, and all mm-hmm. that. It's great. I get it. We got to learn. We got to support the events, these lower mains, and all that has to happen. But it would be great for the sake of presenting RC to mm-hmm. the general public and giving us a show that we could take our upper echelon, the ultra sweet pros that don't crash and race each other. And, oh, you know, I agree. I think there needs to be a definite, a definitive line. I say this all the time between pro and Joe and we don't have that right now at RC because everybody, everybody thinks, Oh, I could just buy this and I can put my name on my shirt and I'm going to be a pro driver. And it it just not, it just doesn't work like that. So you mean it takes more than that? Yeah. It takes a lot more. Oh, I was wrong. I just hit up a dude to put my name on my shirt so I could be pro. (laughs) Um, working with Bob Novak, he seems like he was very ahead of his time thinking of this brushless. I remember, I remember that letter by Ernie Pavetti, dude, like he was like, brushless is going to be the death of RC and all this type of stuff. And maybe for, it was, I mean, stock motors was something big and modified motors was really big back in the day and brushes and all that type of stuff. But this Bob Novak seems like he was thinking way, like way ahead of his time. So one of the biggest problems that came along with brushless motors was that now you didn't need to go to the hobby shop and pay them to cut your motor. So that was a fee that now, so that was the attack. The hobby shops lose this mm-hmm. fee and they're not selling you brushless or brushes rather. I'm sorry. So there's another sale that they're not making on a regular basis and all the other accoutrements that go with brush motor tuning lathes, brush shapers, the little, you know, all the mm-hmm. fiberglass brushes to clean things. All of that was going to suddenly just disappear and people weren't going to spend that money on the hobby anymore. And I'm like, come on. Even then, I'm like 19 or 20. I'm like, you go to the track and you don't have to buy those things. You're going to buy more tires. Exactly. Or, or you're going to race another class. Yeah. Or you're going to come more often. Or you're going to have, you know, it, it didn't. The arguments weren't making sense, but the problem was is that a lot of companies were very threatened by this because they weren't going to sell these products to the hobby shops. So they were trying to, I guess, maybe twist it around Mm -hmm. and saying the hobby shops should not allow this because it's bad for business. I had to type up, write these things and have these conversations with folks. It's like, do you really think that because they didn't have to buy brushes and pay you to cut their comlay that they're going to keep that money? No. They're going to they're, they're spend, they're going to buy more snacks at your hobby shop. They're going to buy more tires, all those things you make money without doing anything to anyway. But point being was a lot of these companies were very, very threatened by the situation of brushless motors. And I completely appreciate and understand that. And for some of them, they were gone. Like mm-hmm. there's plenty of brush tuner companies that either went away for a while and came back once brushless kind of stabilized and became a thing, or they went away and didn't come back because you know, there wasn't enough to gain from That's thinning, thinning brushless of the motor tuning, right? But it's interesting that you say that because I didn't even think about all the components that and accessories that were sold for. Yeah. I mean, even me, I would get that Dean's charger that had that a uh, discharger that had all the um, light bulbs and 
you know, to discharge your batteries. And I didn't go into lathe, you know, cutting, you know, comms and all that stuff. But there was a whole art and science to this that has gone. And that was where people, I never even thought that's where people made money, you know, and some, some of that is what, okay. So this is a perfect argument for how brushless does ruin many of these classes because you don't have to know anything about motor to, or you have to know less about motor mm-hmm. building and motor tuning. Now you have to know a lot about it, but in the, at the time you have to know less about motor tuning that you got to hone in on all the car things. And that really put a sharp edge on the competition formats. And this is very true in touring car. Mm-hmm. This is very true in oval racing where motor tuning was a huge deal in these modified classes and, and brushes, vaporized all of that so all the time that they had to spend figuring out a motor they got to spend putting shims where they needed to be to make the car work better so there i as 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 much as i love brushless i can see how it's it's affected these things Mm -hmm. pretty drastically um and in the how do you fix those problems you don't like you can't stop people from being good at tuning a car and making you know all of these things happen so I, I think we, we need to focus on but that that's a we need to take that focus and focus on getting more people in but um the different classes yeah. there there can be pro classes with no rules whatsoever and there needs to be basic classes where you're very limited on the amount of changes that can happen and you have I to agree. learn your craft of driving and racing and all of those things. I agree so I mean after all this I mean Novak was one of the bigger companies in in RC um I know this might be a little bit painful but why did they actually go out of business because of Hobby Wing. Oh, so. No. <laughs> <laughs> so there was, a, there was a couple things that happened. Mm-hmm. There was um, some things in the Blinky Racing world that slipped through the cracks, and the industry learned lots of lessons from, and probably won't happen again. But Novak paid a very heavy toll, being the first ones kind of affected by that. Mm-hmm. I couldn't remember what year it was, but back in the early days of Blinky Racing, there was a couple speed controls out there that they blinked, but they had they had time in advance, and no one figured it out in time for Novak to recuperate from our our painful mistakes that had happened through all of this process. So in the end, it was a, a double-edged sword, and then the Hobby Wing was kind of lurking in the mm. back this whole time, making these impossible products that were far too affordable and had far too many features type of deal. And you know, as they got better as a manufacturer and started getting into race support and stuff like that, um, Novak just basically was in a situation where the, their, their tech was kind of behind a little bit. And the rules for racing changed that they outlawed Novak's commutation style. And that was the big thing that really kind of drove the nail home is the way that I remember the meeting because we were going to have to scrap everything that we had as far as design and start a new line that was, you know, just like everybody else type of deal. And this rule change, I don't think it still exists now. I believe that I, I, I don't get involved with these rules anymore in any way, shape, there or form. There are rules? I, it makes me break out in hives. But, yes, there, there are rules okay. out there for these spec classes, and that's what drives the, the core of a lot of these products because your spec products scale up to your open class stuff. Mm-hmm. And your open class stuff is what people want to use in the spec class, so they've got to kind of go both ways. I mean, looking back, they probably don't have to go both ways, but they right. all tend to. But once this kind of happened, there was a shift in the – 
I guess the marketing and a lot of things that were happening and it, the timing was just super bad. The overhead was very expensive. Novak was the only manufacturer making electronics in the United States. Other people were bringing them in from overseas, but they weren't having them made in their own building. Mm -hmm. Or if they were, or if they, maybe they might've been having them made in the United States at the time, but certainly not in their own building. Mm -hmm. So the overhead situation and, on top of that, being in Southern California is probably the worst place Expensive. to have an electric. Uh, 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 not just that, but the OSHA regulations. Novak mm -hmm. had to fall under the same OSHA regulations as the companies that made locomotive motors for full-size trains. Really? So the building had to get restructured because the magnets and all this nonsense. So all these expenses <clears throat> and all these wow. crazy things all happened at the same time that was... I mean, I don't know that anybody's asked me all this all at the same time, and I've actually had to sit down and break it down like that before, but mm -hmm. it, it, was, it was a lot of little things that took down the kingdom, so to speak. I believe Tekken even went out of business at this time. Or... Long before then. Yes. They went Long out. before then, okay. yeah. It was, uh, I think, not, they never actually went out of business. The mm -hmm. guy who started Tekken, his name is Kevin Orton. He was a very, very interesting person. If you have any old school friends and they know about the Tekken days, you can ask him. But Kevin was a, a, a unique man who was extremely intelligent. He has a patent on a five-cycle engine, if I'm not mistaken. But when the Campbells came along, they're the folks who own Tekken right now, mm -hmm. they had to stalk the parking lot to, like, corner Kevin and ask him, Hey, I want to buy your company because I want to salvage the name. So, you know, they saw the value in this, this brand, so to speak. So they bought it and you know, they got a customer base from a type of deal. And so the folks that own Tekken now in, uh, are completely different folks than what started okay. the type of deal. So, okay. So <clears throat> Novak, what was it like when you got that phone call and said, Hey man, we're going out of business. So we had, a, I, at the time I was working from home and I had a, a, monthly, maybe bi-monthly or weekly meeting. And we call up and we get started. And I had a couple of things. We were in the middle of fix, finishing the NX4, which was an unreleased product. It never, never actually think made it to market. Mm -hmm. And I had a list of things that we're going to, we needed to do some changes on before it got done. And Bob's family all worked there. Bob Novak was the patriarch. His ex-wife, Joan, still worked there and ran the show from behind the scenes. His two daughters, uh, Linda, was the main boss. Laura was one of the design engineers. And even Linda's husband, Tom, was one of the mechanical engineers wow. as well. So it was this huge family affair. And normally... I deal with one or two of them at a time. So Linda calls, or I call to do the meeting, and Linda's like, oh, you know, my dad's on the call with me. And I'm hey, Bob, what's happening? And I, I start my bit. And I'm like, oh, I just want to tell you guys about this stuff real quick. We got out of the way. She's like, well, before you get into that, we just want to let you know that we've come to the conclusion that we need to close the company and we'll be uh, dis or discontinuing all further sales, uh, payment, and blah, blah, blah for this amount of time. Uh, we need you to... Uh, you know, we understand you need to look for a job, but don't make it public because that's going to release all the information and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, what? What? <laughs> what did you just say to me? Wow. You're doing what now? The company's doing where? And I got a who? So, like, I was in shock for a minute. And, I mean, it was a very emotional kind of moment. And right. I didn't know what I didn't know what to say. <laughs> and I'm like, are you sure? Like, are you, are you guys messing with me? Is this some sort of test? But no, that was it. So I told them, I'm like, well, hey, I tell you what, there's no way that I can start looking for a job. So just 
I don't know. I'm just going to sit on my hands until you guys tell me that it's clear. And they're like, well, we respect that. So they, they paid me until the very end to do nothing until mm-hmm. they made their official announcement. They're like, well, don't do any more work. We'll keep paying you. Just don't. It's over. Like, stop. I'm like, are you sure? Like, I can keep working. Like, it's fine. I'm like, well, we'll figure that all out. So for the next week or two, we went back and forth and, you know, carried on like nothing was wrong. And then the, the close down process fast forward. And then two weeks later it was over. The wow. first person, the first, I, I, I got to write the, the closing press release. I got really? to type that up and turn that in for final approval. They changed only a couple things. So I thought that was awesome. Um, but the first person that called me was Paul Lemieux. He's like, Hey man, I know you, you know, cause me and Paul go way back. Mm-hmm. It's like, if you need any help, like if you need me to send you a check to get you by till you find you a job and we'll figure it out later, you just let me know. So hats wow. off to Paul Lemieux, like RC's my boy. Awesome. Right. And then, uh, Ron, Ron sure called me next. He worked at hobby wing and still does. And he's like, Charlie, don't take any jobs. We're going to hire you. Don't, don't do anything. I'm really? Like, oh, thanks Ron. And then the third person that called me was Drew Ellis. Cause we go way back to, um, RC America's Drew Ellis. And he has a racetrack in St. Louis. He's like, Hey, you going to be all right? You need some money? I'm like, I think I'll be all right, guys. Awesome. So, as awesome. bad as it was, like, and after that, uh, the dude from Castle hit me up. Uh, Sonny worked at Horizon at the time, Sonny Brown. And he's like, hey, you know, let us know what type of deal. And I want to say even the Tegan guys hit me up and said, mm-hmm. <laughs> let us know if you, if you need a hand type of deal. So. What made you decide to go to Hobby Wing? They put us under, and I wanted to go work for the biggest, best company in the industry, and that's – well, I mean, they're still hurt, and you're still doing good. Hobby Wing's huge. I know it's huge. I mean, the, I I went and sat with the the North America boss, and then we had meetings with the the owners and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's a massive facility. It, it's several stories of manufacturing. So wow. I would have been silly to go work for anywhere else. Hobby Wing's. I mean, it's as legit. As Novak was, mm-hmm. Hobby Wing is modern, legit, so to speak. Right, you know what I, I mean? get what you mean. Right, they didn't have their. It's not a family. It's, it's as awesome as a family-owned business mm-hmm. is. That can cause some decisions and things like that to change. Whereas these guys are a bunch of engineers that are black and white as far as like what works and what doesn't work, and they they move. So it's, it's been good. As far as like working with these guys and all that, I, I can't regret it. When I ask for changes or when we have communications, mm-hmm. their, their their feedback is really good with me. So, I mean, it's so awesome. I mean, when you're a good person, people recognize that and they, they look out for you. And it's, it's good to see, in that case, like the RC community and certain people come in and you got a job right away. I, I learned so much from Novak though. Mm-hmm. Like the, just the ability to live this dream life of going to the races and traveling around and putting down cars on the, the a main grid for the world championships. Like I was this team manager that at one stage I got to plan out the trip for me and our team of factory Novak drivers that were going to mm-hmm. get carted around and do all the things together. So, I mean, it was a, for a kid that grew up reading car action in his basement about Joel Johnson winning the nationals to one day meeting Joel Johnson, being a sponsored driver at a race at work, you know, racing for the same company that Joel Johnson raced for to getting a job inside of the industry and in a meeting with Joel Johnson working for another company that we're all talking about the same things together. Like it was a trip, man. Like, a super amazing journey of like your dream coming true of all these things that you wanted as a kid like i i 
I thought I was going to be a pro RC racer one day. And like, that was way more work than my job. Like all I had to do was hang out and hand out speed controls and motors and stuff like that. And I was probably making more money at the time than any of those guys were for, you know, their, their salaries, so to speak for, especially for the amount of work they had to do yep. being a racer. Like I just got to hang out, pay it, for dinner. It's funny you say that because I just said this to, I was talking to Bass the other day and <clears throat> Stephen Bass. Mm. And I said, Hey, it's so crazy that I'm actually talking to you or I'm interviewed you, even you, like these are people that I, I listen to. And I was just some guy in Bermuda dreaming. Like I used to trip fly to American stuff and race. And then I would never would have thought that I'd be sitting here talking to you, interviewing you or even like Stephen Bass and just being able to talk to these guys and even some of these pro guys and stuff. And I, I totally get that, that dream. Like this was always a dream of mine. And you know, it's amazing how things happen and how life happens. And when you take, that when you take a chance and somebody takes a chance on you and you do your best for them as well. Yeah. I, I the I have some Kinwall time where I hung out with Kinwall that mm -hmm. races and like set his car down. I was his pit man. Like he told me once you're the dude, you scrub my tires in better than anybody's <laughs> ever scrubbed my tires in bro. You're putting my car down every single time. And I asked him later, I'm like, you were just telling me that, right? So that I would just wait on you hand and foot. He's like, no, seriously. Like, well, I don't know what you did when you scrubbed in my tires. My car started way better than anybody else. I'm like, thanks, homie. I, hey, awesome, man. We're, we're very, actually very similar. I think you and I would just consume mass, mass amounts of alcohol and just talk all day. <laughs> So the Novax thing, though, because they paid me to go help customers, right. I got a very good reputation. All I had to do was hang out and look at your car, solder your wires, fix your stuff. Everybody loved me. I had all these fake friends and real friends and all these relationships happened. And I got to know people because of going to races and help people with their race weekend type of thing. So, I mean, I owe any reason thing that people want to talk to me or know me is all because of Novak. Like, 110%. Do you think we'll ever see Novak come back? The name no. Or... They all got real jobs after yeah. Novak went under, unfortunately. So I don't think we'll, they'll be back. Um, Linda passed not too long ago, okay. unfortunately. She had been fighting with cancer for a very long time. And, I mean, as much as Bob was the heart and soul of the company, Linda Linda was the blood. She, she kept us all together and, and kept a lot of things happening. So, um, unfortunately, she's, she's moved on. But, um, yeah, I think Bob's enjoying his retirement, too. So. Does he follow RC at all or, you know, a little bit here and there. He, he lives 10, 15 minutes from OTRC. So okay. I think he pops in every once in a while. Um, I still chat with him once every, I try to hit him up every once a few months type mm -hmm. of thing. Keep in touch. Cause I mean, yeah, he's, he's a legend. If a legend, if a legend picks up the phone and you call him, you're going to call him every once in a while. I agree with you there, man. I agree with you. Hobby wing, like you said, huge. You've been there now since what, 2000 and six years. I yeah. think I'm on six years right now. Uh, you, you have a vlog you, you don't like to call it a vlog, but you have a, a YouTube channel that you, I try to, I try to call it a show because it's more Here entertaining than a vlog. A vlog is too purposeful. My show is just sharing these nonsensical things that I get into and occasionally sharing some technical information as well. So it looks like I know what I'm talking about. But I mean, you seem like in a happy place at Ho at Hobby Wing. Uh, I, you know, I I always tell people like, be careful what you wish for because working in RC isn't what you always think it's gonna be. And it's, I love it. Don't get me wrong. I, I guess I work in RC. I guess what I don't really get to go in it like you guys. But um, 
I love it. I mean, it doesn't pay well, but I love it. And I, for me, it's a dream. I'm working hard to get to that dream. But um, I've always said that working in the RC industry is better than a real job. Because mm-hmm. you're kind of like, you know, you're a dream weaver. You're making yeah. people's dreams come true. They want to make a car jump their house. They want to make a car go 80 miles an hour. They want to go win club races. You can have a five minute conversation that really changes perspective for somebody on that stuff. Thanks to my experience type of mm-hmm. deal. And if they're perspective, you know, they're receptive to that. You can have a 15 minute conversation with them that makes them a pro. I mean, it's, it, it can be as simple as that sharing, uh, the love of the passion of RC. That sounds corny. That's so true. Corny. It's so true. I mean, it's, a it little is. bit of attention goes a long way. Uh, we're very similar. I've talked to people on a daily basis from all over the world and I've literally had to talk people off cliffs at races and stuff like that. I'm like, Hey man, it's just a race. It's just a club race. Relax. But I'm trying to be, I say, Hey, I'm, I tell people all the time. My first rule is you have fun. If you ain't having fun, then I don't, I don't, that's all I care about. I mean, results come. I don't worry about results. Have fun, represent your brands and, and, and just be cool. This isn't brain surgery. This is not life or death. Mm-hmm. We're all having a real good time doing some fun stuff that we could, we could take this time and do something productive. We could mm-hmm. go clean up trash on the side of the road. We could visit old people and old folks home and read them stories, but you know what we're doing? We're having fun doing our own thing. And that, you know, you should take that for what it is. I get it. And we're not in that 1% that where your know, paycheck depends on where you finish. And it's, it's, it's so hard to get to that level. People just don't understand it. Um, you fell out of love with off-road for a little bit. I was reading. I, I never got into off-road racing myself. Or racing, because, I should say. Yeah, because I was bad at it. Right. Like, I was good at on-road, mm-hmm. so that's what we did. I, a couple times I went to race off-road, I was bad at it. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, this is not for me. But I have a great time with off-road now. Okay. It is way more fun than anything that I do because I'm still learning how to off-road. So I can go from like the morning I'm terrible to the afternoon I'm dialed. And mm-hmm. I think that that is still a very fun part of RC. Never mind that some of my on-road things apply. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you start driving dialed lines that some of these guys don't know about. Corner speed. It, yeah, straight line and stuff. And so it... While it may not be the fast way, it'll let you get a tire inside and make a pass. So mm-hmm. that's that's been nice for me to see stuff like that happening. Because I have a buddy who has a backyard track, and we race 4 by 4 short course on his backyard track. Okay. We haven't done it in a while, but that got me hooked back in off-road. We On-road cars all died after that. So. But, but, I mean, you did fall out of love with racing or the, the attitude is in racing at one point. Oh, maybe I was reading wrong. Competition in general, like yeah. going to the track was exhausting for me for a while. Mm-hmm. The amount of, it didn't make sense. The amount of work that guys put in and the amount of time they spent at the track for how much they drove their car, it kind of made me bitter. I'm like, no, well, no wonder RC's not thriving. Like, what? how does this make any sense, right? Yep. RC racing is not thriving. RC is thriving. As I get this new perspective, when I'm not spending all my time at the track or uh, greasing the squeaky wheel of the race team, Mm -hmm. you get to spend a lot more time looking at the fun stuff. If you ever want to have a real good time, go on Facebook and join any Traxxas owners user group. I'm sure. You you will find some amazing internet (laughs) posts about RC cars. They just got their drag car coming out here soon too. Their new, uh, that truck. So... Let's see. I, I'm, 
This is the first time I've ever seen Traxxas follow instead of lead. I thought they were not going to do a, tra- a dragster because they were they didn't do it first. They're no. just gonna... people were using their their short course as a as a base, yeah. and they did the funny car stuff and stuff like that. So my local yeah. hobby shop, my Jake's Performance Hobbies in Roner Park, California, jphracing.com, has sold so many Traxxas slashes. For dragsters, it's not even like just in all hobby shops in America. Thanks to Tim Smith, you can say drag racing. I don't know, you love or hate that guy, but drag racing is a thing because of that dude's and he's a character of drag racing, and he's a character and he gets it. And um, we have Tim and I have had many discussions, and he's like, We gotta make it like wrestling, Keenan. And he, he, uh, did you know he used to write wrestling? Yeah, I didn't. And um, me and Tim go way back. Really, I I like him. I like his personality, and totally, I like the flavor that he brings to RC. Yeah. I wish we had off-road guys that were acted like that. If I had a pro guy, I'd be like, "All right, we're gonna do a promo video right now before we go to this race." It is, I it is hard to promote yourself. I can't do it. Like I'm I'm bad at it. But if you know, he's good at it. Like yes. if you can promote yourself and what you're into mm-hmm. and all of that. Like I don't know. I don't know why people hate on that guy so much. Well, the, the confidence. It's a good, yes. I, I feel bad. If I could get people to hate on me, then I think I'm making it. Then you know you're doing it right. Well, Once people start hating on you. Then, well, I work then for the most hated guy in RC, so, you know. Well, JQ's, just, JQ's just misunderstood. He's one of my favorites. Actually, I think the tide's turning and people are starting to listen to what he says. And he's, he's you know, he's, he's I think he's getting a little older. And what, He's wearing him down. He's calming down a little bit. He Once is. you get older, you get calmer and you can... Ex- the more times you explain something to someone and they don't like it, you find a way to explain it so that they do like it, and that becomes that polished turd that you're trying to present to everyone. <laughs> All right. Um, you have done drones. we got to talk about drones because this was your big thing. I get this question asked all the time. How do drones get on TV and RC racing doesn't? And my thing is we don't have a product to put on our on television. And I, and I, I think when I remember when I was reading about the drones, I found that they didn't, when they first started, they didn't get the best flyers. They got the guys with the biggest social media following. There, there was some of that. Mm-hmm. And the reason being was because that made a huge difference. Mm-hmm. Of course. It's, uh, it's the same reason that Ryan Stiles, Mark Santamaria, uh, RC Sparks, yep. uh, th- those guys are so huge. Because the companies are like, yes, you have a following and you're going to say our name and it's going to make sense. Like mm-hmm. that, you don't have to be, su- and that, that, that's what um, DRL drone racing league is what the first got RC on TV for me. That was a series that you could go to the bar and watch the same time that sports was happening. Mm-hmm. I think we watched Sunday football. Then we watched drones afterwards or hockey or something like that. But it was, it was a game changer for me. Like what RC, on TV, even- RC on TV, RC on TV. What is that? How you found about drones? Watching it on the TV, or did you know? Was you into it? No. Um, one of at the end of Novak's days, they were doing some testing on a motor that had the speed control built into it, and we I got into drones through a friend that I knew from high school back mm-hmm. in the day. He was into it, and my local hobby shop, Jake's Performance Hobbies, gave me a drone for Christmas because I had worked there part-time at the time, and I got into flying a little bit that way, and then we started putting cameras on them and doing all the FPV stuff, and that all escalated into me sending an email to Novak that says, hey, we should get into drones. 
these things are awesome. And I think that it's cooler than RC cars and it's going to be on TV pretty soon. So because of the DJI thing and mm-hmm. Phantoms becoming so huge, everybody thought that as an RC car manufacturer, you're just going to make some stuff for DJI and away you went. It, it didn't really work that way, mm-hmm. but that was, that was some of the things that thought we're going to point being, I got into drones because a buddy of mine got me into it and sat me down and explained to me how to build and do all the things. Cause I could fly really good, but I didn't know how to, build them mm-hmm. and anything that plugged into a computer and you had to download a program off the internet, I was convinced I couldn't do like, right. I was totally convinced that I was going to blow up my computer or I was going to put the, uh, so he, he, he got me through all that and I learned how to build drones and fly drones and I got into racing locally. And I actually like, imagine that you went down to your local track with a, like a 16th scale slash mm-hmm. and you signed up to race two wheel drive modified and you didn't know. That's what I did. Oh, okay. And I made the main. Really? And I was like, drone racing is awesome. These guys have no idea what they're doing. And I'm going to own these guys. And then I got into it, and I thought I was going to be pro racer guy. And it was much more complicated than that. This was in, like, very, very early days of drone racing type of thing. So really? when, the D- when the DRL came along, drone things had happened, and racing was happening. Social media was, you know, starting to pick up a little bit more for some of this stuff. And uh, they started to kind of handpick through guys that had a following. And they reached out to the racers and says, hey, do you know anybody that's like you that can, like, follow orders, smile on camera, doesn't look like a weirdo, has a, you know, decent backstory and stuff like that. And that's when they, they started to kind of build this, this race series type of thing. So you was one of the pioneers then you was one of the guys putting these, uh, getting into FPV and all that type of stuff. Aerial sports league was the first group that I had found locally to me that was doing events mm-hmm. and you could go there and race. And they had these goofy race formats and combat drones that would crash into each other and fight. And I actually ended up, getting to know these guys and running events with them as their announcer guy for the race segments and helping them put on proper races that had like a race format that kind of made a little bit of a sense. Like, mm-hmm. you know, they, they just didn't know about racing right. and qualifying and stuff like that. So the very, the very first race I put on for him was at a maker fair. And I had this idea that we we're going to have turn marshals because the drones crash okay. and then you're like, you're like stuck and then you can't go. I'm like, well, dude, we can have turn marshals just like RC cars. They could just have some guys out there that are flipping the drones over. But these, these guys are bad at driving. Like think right. about like the, the, the skill craft wasn't there. There's was just right. like people that had drones like, Oh, race, let's go check it out. Like me, like then they couldn't go and videos real bad. So this guy emails me. He's like, Hey man, I race RC cars too. Marshals aren't going to work. You got to take that part out of the race. Like we're going to die. I'm like, Oh, okay, <laughs> cool. G- good looking out dog. Joe, Joe Staten. Shout out to Joe. Thanks buddy. But it blew up. How, I mean, is it so as big wh- as it was at its peak now? It's, it's, it's kind of done one of these. Mm-hmm. Like there's multi GP is the organizing body that puts on the races and they've um, massaged their race format and their event format. And they have this, kind of unique thing where their their clubs can put on a global qualifier so they can certify the track mm-hmm. dimensions and then they can everybody has the same track okay. then is the okay. idea so it's almost like a video game in that regard but in real life so the club has to dedicate the time to measure all this stuff it's it's, it's, it's a very involved process and then you can get on this global leaderboard and then it and works towards this other stuff and then they also if you're not going to get into that they have normal races where the track gets to 
the, the club gets to build their track. They put on events like normal RC car style races, if you will. Mm-hmm. And then the, the top whatever earns spots that qualify them for the national championships that happen towards the end of the year or middle of the year. Do you still fly? Oh yeah. Oh. I don't race. I stopped racing. Okay. Like competition's hard. You got to be dedicated. You got to fly all the time. You got to break a lot of stuff. You got to work on a lot of stuff. You do a lot of wrenching, you know, maybe as much wrenching as flying. So that wasn't my cup of tea, but I still freestyle fly all the time. That's are, a lot of fun. So I, are these guys making, are these drivers making pilots, making money off this? In the DRL, the one yeah. that's on TV. Uh, so the DRL is the main one that's, that's kind of weathered the storm, if you will, and still survives because they had a TV contract. There was uh, DR1, and there is also one more, the DR or DLR. They all got D in their name. But they, they had some limited success with uh, prize purses that they got from local sponsors. They okay. had, like, Red, Red Bull involved and some stuff like that. But in the end, I think DRL is the only one that, that made it through Drone Racing League. They got a bunch of corporate sponsors now, and they still have their contracts. And through the pandemic, they were able to run simulator I races. I saw that. I saw that. I don't like video games. Like, I, I, I like video games, but I, I'm an RC guy, so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a doer, not a simulator. And I've never really been able to get into the simulator stuff. So the video game race couldn't do it. Cool. They could have done this. They still got a flu and done this. Well, cause the, it's a lot of work to the regulations and okay. all the things right, and all that. Right. And they didn't want to get their guys sick and lose this, you know, whatever. Exactly. <clears throat> but the simulator racing proved one thing that all the pilots were very good and the competition was super tight. So that was pretty neat, but they got video games on national TV. So not only do these company get rc on national tv live they got video games on national tv live as well so that i mean well they do that anyway i i, I love video doing, games i right. watch call of duty and stuff like that oh i used to not so much but it's not on national tv um, like it was on is it oh i'm missing out then if i I've haven't seen, seen it on like games. tbs and stuff like that before yeah. nbc okay, yeah like not nbc free tv like over the airwaves here's yeah. some nerdy stuff for you to look at i think that's pretty neat I, it, and I get this question. Like I said, I just, why, well, what, what, RC cars? We can't get RC cars under. I said, because we have no charisma. We have no, no nothing. Nobody wants to see it. No, we d- so in drone racing, if you take a guy out, you're both crashing. Right. In RC car racing, if you take a guy out, just, you're going to take him out and you're going to keep going. Mm-hmm. So that's a bit yes. of a problem. And now, now, granted, race announcers do a great job of policing all that stuff. So it's mm-hmm. not that bad. But, the competition format is the problem. Too if long. we could do like, yeah, you, you got more qualifying than racing. There's no, there's no form of motorsports that's on TV that has more qualifying than racing. I agree. It's not a thing. You, the, the main event is the race. And yeah. our main event is for electric racing, five minutes, five minutes long, three times. Yeah. So you got to win, win twice. It's kind of weird. Mm-hmm. And then for nitro racing, that's pretty awesome. You get like a 20, 30 minute main. I, I, I'm into that. That's, that, that's pretty rad, but there's needs to be something done about the competition format. I made a spreadsheet once to mm-hmm. do motocross format of RC car racing. The problem is, is that in RC car racing, everybody pays the same amount of money 
So they want to have the same amount of track time. Right. So for the art, the motocross format to work, you got to have that loser's bracket side mm-hmm. where they still get to win stuff. So all the raffle prizes and things that the sponsors send to the race, that's that's what those guys get to win in those races. And then on the, the top half of it, the main event, that's what we put on TV. That, that's our uh, our winner's bracket. Well, so I, I mean, that was kind of is the plan of RCGP, uh, mm. the RC2 class. And those guys got amazing amounts of track time on spec tires. Mm-hmm. And then you, and then I know people are like, well, you insuring the RC two. Well, the show is the, the twelve guys that in the pro guys, you know, they do the two. They did a two fifteen minute main on a Saturday, and then they did an hour long main mm. on Sunday. And every qualifier that they had, they were racing heads up. But it was right. the same guys, and that was the show. You know, that's the show. And I guess it's hard for RC racers egos to 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 swallow that it. they're not the show, you right? Know? Because, right, very much so. Because oh, we're 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 equal. We have the same stuff, but you, we're not really equal because those guys do it for a living, you know. And right. and just because we can go hang out with them and all that type of stuff doesn't mean we can equally be as fast as them. So we need to showcase that. I'm 100 percent with you on showcasing the best. You know, nobody wants to see me out there doing 10 million barrel flips and right you know, hitting people and stuff like that. Well, yeah, I I've stood around. You know, on the sidelines at these events, and why does he keep crashing? Why do they keep you? Know, I don't know why, sir. You're right. That's a, that's an excellent question. Yeah, why, why does, does he, he keep, keep crashing? crashing right now? He's not doing too well. You know, sometimes folks come into an event and they see the lower mains, like, dude, what are these guys even doing? They're not, they're not even good at this. Like, how much this thing is expensive, and they're not even good at it. Like, I don't know. I know it's it's the illusion um, that we have created, right. unfortunately. But we need to have that separation. No. Drones are awesome. Uh, I don't think we're going to... I would love to just see RC in a format where we can get to streaming, but, I mean, we're never going to... I don't... We'll never see RC at the level of drones. RC racing, car racing, off-road, I'm talking about. I I think we can see some big events that will stream their their main events. Like, let's say you get all the A-mains together and you get an hour block. Something like that could start Mm -hmm. to happen. And then in the in-between of the mains, they get to do their sweet TV backstory type of thing. Right, right. But the, the competition format, uh, DRL, drone racing in general, they gear their competition format towards a presentable product exactly. that is easy to watch and understand. And they spend a lot of time, this goes back to this announcer thing, explaining to the people what the hell's going on. Because, I mean, I think that's yep. a big deal. So that you can follow the story and know what matters when. Mm-hmm. Kind of deal, so. And an RRC, the pros ain't, ain't- they don't get it because some of them do. For instance, I had Matt who did all the, the stuff for RCGP and did the docu-series. And he was he was just like, Keenan, when we first got it, like these pro guys couldn't understand, like, I need you here because this is part, like, we're going to do a backdrop and I'm sorry on you. And I need you here not wrenching on your car. I need you here looking good in your shirt. And and they right. weren't used to that. Like, and, and it, like the guys who did the whole series by... When I when I actually got to go to it at Thunder Alley, it was like a well oiled machine. But they, uh, he was telling me when we first started, like people didn't want me in their face and all this type of stuff. But this is you are a pro driver. The show comes first. Yes, I think that, exactly. That's the that's the big thing. The show has to come first. Sweet. Um, scale trail, man. I'm in love with it. I'm going to a, a meet this weekend with my. Did you get your rims put together? No, I'm going to get that. I only have one good hand, so it's kind of hard. And you know what? Even worse, I was putting the over when I was talking to you, I was putting the overdrive in my element, and I wasn't paying attention. I was texting somebody, and I stripped one of the damn screws, and I don't have a Dremel right now to get out. So now I'm going to go buy a new. 
I'm not putting the overdrive. I'm just putting the regular girls back in. I had all these plans to put the overdrive in. I was going to be all spiffy. At you, my... you don't need overdrive. It's nah, fine. I'm just going. But I tell you, I, I've always been fascinated by this. I love it. Um, this is something that I could never do in Bermuda. We don't have trucks and stuff in Bermuda, like real trucks like mm. this. I mean, her in DR, yes, it's it's a thing, but I don't, I can't afford that. I went to my first meet here with uh, the guy who has it. He's a racer, but he has a hobby shop. And there was a couple of racers there, and these guys just weren't into racing. They're just regular guys. Dude, I went with my son. We had my wife got into it. I got into it. And she's like, this is so much better than racing and sitting around and getting dusty all day. And I was like, it's a lot of fun. I love racing. Don't get me wrong. Racing is my it, first thing. But it's it's not just that. It's a ton of drive time. It is. Like you get to drive the truck for 15, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour at a time. And people think, oh, it's easy. It's it's It takes definitely, I was a little better because I have offered, you know, but it's about picking lines. And, do, and I was just like, man, I had... Almost the same feeling as I was when I was racing. Not as adrenaline pumping as that, but to see my son and do this type of stuff. And I love it. I love this stuff. I've got four of them. And this is my, this is people like, well, this is what I like. I like it. I think it's awesome. When I, when I was working at Novak, a group of guys contacted one of the engineers or something and said, we need to come down and show you these rock crawlers so that you guys can make us products for this rock crawling market. Cause it's going to be awesome. And they brought their trucks, and there were some rocks behind the building, like this culvert thing. So we went and drove in it, and I'm like, this is dumb. <laughs> like, we're just driving over some rocks. And they're like, no, 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 hold on. And then they set up a course. Mm. Like, they could see I wasn't that. I'm like, I'm I'm test guy. Like, at the time, I'd been working for Novak for a while. Kind of like people knew that I was the, the this dude who worked there. Right. And they, they set up some cones, and then we drove through the course and they like, I watched them drive. I'm like, oh, I could do, oh, I can't do that. Oh, I can't, oh, 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 wait a minute. And then I went to my first event. Mm-hmm. I finished the first course. There was time barely like one second ago. And I never finished a competition course doing rock crawling ever again. Wow. Cause like it was, it, no, I'm lying. One other time I did, but it's so hard. Like it's much, much harder than I thought it was going to be. Scale trail is great. This was comp crawling right. back in the day, but I've been putting on Sonoma County second Sunday scalers with a couple of buddies for mm-hmm. like seven years now. We we get together, we hang out, we drive trucks on our local crawl spot. Sometimes we build trails, sometimes we don't. And uh it's been awesome. Like if you would have ever told me that I'd be so into scaling, I would have laughed at you. But my mountain bike buddies that I have are all into scalers. When we go on our mountain bike events, they're all like, get the scalers out. And they want to scale more than anything else. Really? Like, cause it's something anybody can do. Yeah. Like, right. That's the big deal. Like when we take the go fast trucks out, they're like, I'm going to break it. But when you get the scalers, I like here, drive it. Like, Oh, awesome. This is great. Yeah. I think it's, and it's so big. It's so big. It's humongous. Axial fest was huge. When I went there and there was a thousand People not entries. that were pay, yeah, there, yeah, a thousand people all with a truck in hand. Mm-hmm. Most of them with two or three trucks yeah. type of deal. I'm like, okay, this this makes a whole lot of sense. I would love to go to that event or oh, Proline by the Fire. By the Fire is my Axial Fest too. Like that, I like it because that spot that they go to mm-hmm. in Apple Valley over there is pretty rad. I just think it's amazing, and um, I just I just have fun. I'm looking. I think this week we're just doing a. Uh, a walk. We're not doing. Like, mm-hmm. I, I I guess it's gonna have some course, but they actually made a course. Not a they course. do. 
follow the leader. You just drive along and the guy in front of you do the line that he did. That's yeah. great. I, I'm just going to go. I need some exercise and my son's coming and it's so easy. I'm got to finish wrenching on my cars, but I, it's my little bit of RC fix. I don't, we don't have a tracker. I don't have nothing. I'm trying to get these guys now maybe into drag racing very soon. So maybe we can get like my whole thing is like I think we should do everything RC. So my whole <laughs> thing is like we need to get them down to racing off road too because I would love to see that come back. But man, um, to say that I would one of my bucket lists is like to go axle fast pro line by the fire. I might even bring my my trail truck when I fly out. I'm going to Silver State here I think in May, and then over to California for a week. I'm, I might bring my car then. I don't know. Do it. You will. The local rock crawlers will come out of the woodwork and take you to the crawl spot because I'm sure anywhere where there's RC, there's a local crawl spot where that's oh, yeah. awesome, especially where that place is. Oh, yeah. All right. Um, we're going we're gonna to be wrapping up here, but I just wanted to get uh, – not wrapping up. we still got a few more um, because I think we're going to have to have a part two of this one day. Well, at least have <laughs> you come on, on and do our lives with us, our hotline with us one time. I'm down with that. You went to King of the Streets? I did. That was awesome. I'm jealous. I was supposed to be there as well, but I didn't because of COVID. I thought this, I, I looked, I watched my buddy Sean. He was doing live from there and I watched this and I was like, I just want to be here because it looked, I, I, not, not too worried about the racing my, per se for me, uh, but the atmosphere was what I wanted to be a part of. And I saw vendors and this and everybody having fun. And I'm like, and I, I kind of agreed with you. I saw some people just go up there and do donuts, and I'm like, well, what's going on? And But I, I, I have to understand that the level, the skill level for some of these people aren't probably was, what, I ex, what I expect from the off-road world. Yeah, it was such a widespread of folk. There was a dude out there that looked like that was his first RC car ever. Like the body was all jacked up. He right. had knobby tires on it compared to everybody else. It's got these low slung carbon fiber dragsters type of deal. So it was, it was a very unique, especially coming from long time, you know, mm -hmm. big event RC races to see this blend of, Pro dudes side by side with basically flatbed, you know, back of the pickup truck racer type of guys. So. I thought it was so awesome. Um, I listened to you guys talk about it. He's like, yeah, oh, they just have to pin it. I, I'm going to tell you, there is definitely more skill than just. I know you think it's just about doing this, but. No, 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 no. That's the goal. Right. If you can get the car to okay. do that, that's it. That's what they're all trying to do. So they're not trying to drive the car because they're gotcha. pretty convinced that all their uh, pre prep has made the car able to just do this. So mm -hmm. I don't even think they're holding the wheel. I mean, you've seen it. It doesn't look like they're holding the I mean, wheel. they That's do. Good. You see when they flip and all that stuff. I just, I know. I asked, I know. I asked my buddy, Colin. I was like, Colin, because he's a, uh, he for Colin from McLan. And I said, Colin Branch. Yeah, Colin, cool dude. Uh, I said, Colin, you, you come from an off-road background. Does, does, does off-road, he says, it's similar to the same principles. I think if you have some, he says, if you have experience, he goes, I was out in the first round. I said, yes, I understand. But he goes, Yes, definitely having some prior racing skill uh, will help with this. But who gives a flying? I don't, I don't care. We got we got scale looking, awesome looking cars. We got people having fun, and there was eighteen thousand dollars on the line, and no, and second didn't get nothing. And I was just like, and they, you know what? They had rules, and they stuck by the yeah. rules, and they I loved that. They had a tech team. They they were bouncing dudes for being over voltage and tech. 
which I am a huge fan of. Yeah. I hate on-road races where they come in attack with their over voltage and they get to get to the back of the line and rev the motor up to down the voltage because mm-hmm. you already cheated. Your battery's probably hot, heated up, whatever. That's why the voltage went up as you walked over there. <coughs> Jerks. This happened to me at the Reader Race. That's what okay. But point being is they had legit rules. They weighed all the cars. They checked all the voltages. Whatever they were doing, they had a whole crew of people that just stayed there and did tech all day, which I think was cool. I mean, like a proper race. Right. And and then that I felt bad for him, but it, it's the rules. You can't. You, it, I always talk about rules. I always Dude. say there has to be rules. That one guy, he just bumped his throttle. I was like, oh, man. I felt so I, bad for him. I saw that happen to, like, I don't know, probably five people where they did something on the other side of the carpet and Coy had to send them on their way. And he, I'm like, that's. That takes balls I, to do I, that. I, I mean, it's the rules. I hate, that's the worst part about uh, announcing races or being a race director is the, the when you got to catch people on the rules. So I always tell people like, don't break the rules because you're going to make me hate you forever because I'm going to have to enforce the rules. And I don't I want agree. that. Yeah. I, I think I shout out, I have a big shout out to Tyler and his crew, Koi, mm-hmm. from RC Drag Talk that put that on. I think they're, they're doing great things for RC it's, as well. Tyler and Sean is the RC Drag Talk guys. Well, and Tyler then, and Koi uh, are the... Koi is the dude from Arizona RC, right? Is it? I think Koi is also with with Tyler. I'm not sure. Oh. I'm not, I'm, I know Sean and Tyler are really good friends. I've met I know both of them. Coy was a busy, busy man all day long. He let me stand under his booth and ask him some questions now and again. So I appreciate that. I, I thought it was awesome. And it's it's just, it's like now they're talking about a bigger race. They ran, on, they ran on schedule. When mm-hmm. um when I got there, you know, all the re- RC regular folks, how are they going to get this many racers done on time? This, that, and the other thing. They ran like clockwork. I think yeah. we were out of there ahead of time. It was super rad. So I was very impressed how quick the rounds went. Mm-hmm. They kept everybody pretty updated on information yeah. on what group and round and all of the things were happening. So it was good enough. Is, what is your thoughts on the future of no prep? Hmm. I think that it's going to do this for a very long time. Okay. These cash day races are extremely popular and they're going to fine tune this method of uh, teching and hosting these ladders. Cause this, what a lot of clubs are doing, you, you buy in for the first round, say it's 20 bucks. Mm-hmm. And if you get bounced out the first round, you can buy back in for 10 bucks. Okay. So the, the, the price pool is going up basically. Right. And you get, it's not just a lose to get out, but that's it. After that you're out. So you get like a redo. If you, you think got a second whatever. chance. Right. So that that's pretty cool. Plus it generates some funds. Some of the clubs put the money in the prize pool. Some of them use this, the buyback for fundraisers or, mm-hmm. you know, all other sorts of things. But I feel like it's so simple for these clubs to host these races with a mm-hmm. dude at the end with a cell phone that records the races that it's fine. I think and, if, any, and if anything's wrong and there's a dispute, race again, bitches. So... <laughs> Uh, can we see any hobby wing specific electronics coming out for for no prep? I would say so. That's a stupid question. Um, it's best to bring out your stuff last. I, oh, then, oh, oh, I love it. I love it. You, I love you, it. you can have the most cool things. No, I've been working kind of behind the scenes with a lot of folks doing drag racing. Mm-hmm. And um, I think the changes that we have in store for are I don't want to say that it's a drag racing specific firmware okay. because I don't I'm not a 
I hate marketing. I mean, as much as it's effective and all that, but this update will apply to a lot of things. Okay. It'll make all forms of RC better, but the changes will be, you know, because of drag racing for sure. So. I think uh, the sky's the limit with it. I do, what I'm what I am worried about is it becoming like Slash was, where the manufacturers get in and ruin it, or Raw gets in there and ruin it, <laughs> ruins it because some people blame Raw for it as well. So the, the cash—that's the beauty of the cash days, yeah. though. Like these, there's you can do minimum weight. You can do uh, length of the wheelie bar, size of the wing, battery voltage, and make sure the suspension works. And you got five simple rules for fun, and mm. away you go. So I think it's great, and they look awesome. I, I just want one because they look cool. I, I'm ex- I'm waiting very very patiently to see how many old school racers come out of the woodwork to prove a point next year at the King of the Streets. Because there, you know what happened. I got so many messages and calls and whatever the week after King of the Streets. What's wrong with these guys? And all the trash talking on the internet from the on-road guys and all the things. I'm like, come try it. I I tried. I tried very hard to make a click-to-go car. Like, And Mm -hmm. it just goes down. It ain't no sick. Because you're not going to find out if it's going to go. And you got to commit. You got to stay in there and watch watch the crash. That way you know what went wrong. I would. I think so. And I think the allure of winning money. Because they, I, even me, I think it's easy. Oh, it's easy, but my, it's not. So hopefully when I go to California, I think, well, they, they might do something at Silver State as well. But uh, I'll get a little taste of it. And If you're going there, just post on the internet like, hey, let's drag race somewhere. I'll meet you there. I got my <laughs> 20s. And people will show up, dude. Well, I think they're going to do something there. I think Sean and, uh, and Tyler good. are coming over. Good, good. Right. I just think, man, I'm all about getting RC in front of people. And I love everything RC, so... Let's uh let's if that's me, the me too. Yeah. If that's the thing to get what we do in front of people, then I'm all for it. Cuz a lot of the people that are going to get in a drag race and are going to get sick of it, they're going to have this sweet car that's basically an off-road car and be able to go race it off-road. Yeah. Because the funny thing is people just don't know what we do, Charlie. They just don't know. Uh, so in my travels, mm-hmm. sit around the airport you talk to people on the plane, travel by myself often. You have that conversation with a weirdo at the airport. So you traveling for work or, blah, blah. oh, I'm traveling for work. Oh, what do you do? Well, I work for an electronics company. Oh, yeah, what kind of electronics do they sell? Well, we sell motors and speed controls for radio control cars. Oh, yeah, what kind? Uh, well, these ones that they race. I'm going to a national championship. Oh, yeah, national championship. Do they win any money? Well, not really. <laughs> I've had that conversation so, many times. So when you when I, when I'm driving to Vegas and I stop at the gas station and dude's like, "Where are you going?" I'm going to Vegas for an RC car drag race. An RC car drag race? Yeah, the dude's racing for like twenty grand. What? Where? That's yeah. the coolest thing I've ever heard about. Like, yeah, yeah okay, makes sense. Maybe it's it's simpler too. You know, it's two guys against each other. You're driving in a straight line. It's very little room for cheating. Whereas in off road, you can hack somebody, cut the track, all that type of that, stuff. That's the big thing that I run into when I talk to uh, civilians about RC car. Why don't they just crash into each other? Like, what, yeah. what's the harm? Why don't you just take them out? Well, you can't. Wow. There's supposed to be rules for that, but, you know. Right. You know Sometimes they're wrong. We all know how it goes. Yes. All right, man. Um, I, I, I like what you guys said in RC Babble. You guys, you, you, we, say, we kind of think about the same thing about racing right now. As we just said, RC is growing, but RC racing doesn't seem to be growing. I mean, people's like, well, you always doom and gloom. I said, no, I'm not. 
gonna trick myself to think that 600 entries means we have 600 i i want i want bodies i'm not talking about entries bodies that's 600 people that's 250 people maybe 300 people right, at the most right, right. <sighs> and we're so slow to change so you've been in this industry for a long time we it's drag the, our feet man we drag the, our feet it's the balance of entry fee and track time mm-hmm. if we can if we can find some sort of way to to give people more track time either for more entry fee or for less entry fee i think this is the thing if if you want to go to a race and practice for two days qualify for one day and race for one day we might be onto something mm-hmm. but this practice for one day qualify for two days and race for one day is our biggest problem mm-hmm. if we can one round of qualifying Bros, I get it. You want track time and all that. One round of qualifying. If you're a professional in the world of motorsports, you get one shot to qualify. That's why it's called qualifying. Mm-hmm. You don't get in the world championships. You get six rounds of qualifying. I know. I know. Get the hell out of here, dude. And you know what happens if you were to take the average of um, all of the races and you just randomly pick one of the rounds of qualifying and use that. It's, the results are going to be pretty much the same. There's yep. going to be some small variances, but for the most part, the dudes that are the best are still the best, and they're going to do the best the most often. And on average, one round of qualifying is all we need. And then you give some of the other guys like me a chance to put in my hero run where I get it together for one qualifier and I make the B instead of the D because call points suck. Yes. I, it, it, here's the thing. As long as race – I'm sorry, and I, I'm not picking on my Americans – but it seems to be an American thing, and I, I'm not going to sound like Joseph here, but as long as we, we, and I love American races, don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm, I love it. As long as we measure the the success of a race by the number of entries, then we're not going to we're not gonna change anything because there's just going to be, oh, I had he had 600, so I'm going to go for 1,000. And all that does is take away from you as a racer. So how do we make RC cars more marketable outside of the industry that we can generate some sponsorship dollars from non-industry affiliates, Red Bull, Pepsi, Joe Schmo insurance, something that doesn't care how much drama happens at the event. Cause it doesn't affect their bottom line. In fact, the drama helps their bottom mm-hmm. line cause more people watch it. Drama is what we need mm-hmm. and what we, we steer clear of because the events make their money two ways off of us as the racers or our sponsors of the events, which are directly related to most of us racers. We we're, we're, we're going to be beating the dead horse until we can find some out of the industry external monetary support. And, and in order to do that, there has to be some charisma and they're going to want professionalism, not guys in hoodies. If you know what I mean? And every, like, Mm, this is frustrating for me. It, it's a little bit of both because that's what these guys are doing. The motocross world is is much that way. These guys mm. live this bad boy lifestyle, but in their defense, they're risking life and limb. Yes. We're, we got to like, you know, find that balance. Yeah. I think. We need that driver to come in and just be like, Hey, I'm here to kick ass and take names. And I don't right. care if I lose or win. Like back in the attitude era, uh, courts they got any these guys who used to race each other on a steady basis um i love racing and it's in my blood i just want to see it back, back get better because yeah. we just need our to industry, grow it 
the industry got so under a microscope that this RC industry is not big. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the smack talk gets taken the wrong way and blown yep. out of proportion and it get the sponsors get offended by who says what, when, how, tone of voice, all these, you know, things that are what we need, mm-hmm. but also hurt us at the same time. So, yeah, but we need it. And you can call me, I drum it up. I like, I try to, you know, this is part of the reason why I do this podcast. Like I definitely desperately want to see the AETLR rivalry come back. I think Joseph always says, yeah, I was one of the guys that started the new European USA rivalry, but this is what we need. Like, I know these guys don't want to wish these guys good luck. They want to, they want to murder them. Like as Mike, I want to eat his children. You know, this is what these guys want to do. Like, but they got to be nice and like, Hey, good luck. No, I'm not shaking your hand. I'm not doing this. I'm here to kick ass and, and that's it. That's who yeah. I want on my team. I want the winner's trophy to be bigger and no participation trophies and a lot of smack talk. There and like think about it last year when when Mayfield said he wanted to chop Baruflo, give him a throat chop. Like people were freaking out like that. And Barufalo's like, eh, no problem. You know, I just drive. And I love Barufalo, by the way. He's awesome. All right, we're on the same line. We've said I've said this to enough times on this podcast. I bet beat that horse to death, but it's good to hear it from others as well. Future for you, dude. What's 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 it looking like for for Charles? Uh, we are fast forwarding on our podcast. Jordan Temkin, who okay. is a two time drone racing league world champion and also works here at Hobby Wing with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, him and I do a podcast. It's called RC Stuff. We host it on Anchor FM most frequently. So you can go to anchor.fm slash Hobby Wing to find it. Or it's pretty much on any podcast service. Mm-hmm. But we're going uh, forward with that with a lot more interviews. Okay. I'm not, people want video. I'm not doing video. Right. I'm, we're just doing audio. We're going to do did, podcast. I, mean, I did audio for a hundred plus, uh, almost a hundred episodes. Right. So, so we're going to do that for a while. So RC stuff is picking up. We do a, a giveaway every single episode. So by all means, tune into the episode, find out how to enter and you can, you can get involved. We give away a bunch of hobby wing stuff twice a month. Awesome. We, we do it the first and third Friday of every single month. And then uh, the Charlie show is going to go on the road. I get to go to Mayhem, which is a 12-hour drone race. There's mm. a team race where they do pit stops and battery changes. They call it Mayhem for a reason. It's crazy, and it's 12 hours long. They race from dawn until dusk, so sun up till sundown. Um, that's happening in Texas the second weekend in April. I'm going to be out awesome. there for I'll that. I'll be looking out for that. Yep. Um, but otherwise, just uh, you know, living the dream. I've been working from my home office for many years now, and uh, I've gotten very, very used to it. I think that I'll never be able to get a regular job ever again. As much as I, 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 I like, I complain. Like, I want to make more money and all this type of stuff. And you know, obviously, you always want to make more money. RC time is change. money. RC, yes, of course, of course. And I think I'm valued at a dollar twenty-five an hour right now. If I last checked. Um, but uh, it's fine because RC allows me to be around my my kids. I, I love. I miss obviously. I miss the traveling part because of COVID. I didn't get to travel, but I'm so ready to get back. I'm so ready to be around these the people, the social the social aspect of it. That and, that was one of the the coolest parts about Vegas was. I mean, I know a lot of those folks for a long time that had kind of I haven't seen locally and travel and all that stuff. So it was really good to like get out and see people and high fives and all that again. So. Awesome. 
Um, all right, Charlie. You know what? We 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 have this dawn and quiet segment, and it's brought mm-hmm. to us by TNR Fuels, who's a proud sponsor of the podcast. I don't have a real ad read for them because they kind of came on new, but they are TNR Fuels is a hot new fuel company on the market. It's a it's made by racers for racers. It's a family run business, and I love what Chris Nelson's doing. Is putting a lot of a lot of money back into RC. He's got his A main challenge race going at SCRC, who's another sponsor of this podcast next week. Uh, badass track that uh, Anthony Westergaard put on. So they are the sponsor of the NNRC Down and Quiet segment. Actually, is this the Down and Quiet segment? No, this is the Stop and Go segment because I changed his name. I forgot the name. The Down and Quiet something else. Sorry. This is the Stop and Go segment. And basically, it's like our 10 question, 10 second segment. I'm going to ask you a question and you can answer it fast or however you want. So, okay. Best Worlds attended, number one. Best world attended, uh, Thailand. Okay. We asked that already. So, but that's right. cool. Number no, that's two. One. I like it. New Zealand. They had a world in New Zealand? Did they have any world? No, they didn't. But they had, a, they had a nationals there this past weekend. The track was so nice. Oh, it was awesome. Oh. Uh, Is that the question? No. I just oh. got, I got off on tangents when I, when I think about countries and stuff like that. Number two, dream broadcast crew. Oh, geez. Well, I should say Scotty, mm-hmm. but I think I want to do it with uh, Wheels. Oh, Mike yes. Garrison, yeah. Mike Garrison. Yeah. I want to do a, a broadcast with Garrison, and I, I definitely want Jensen on the control board because Jensen is my man behind the scenes at the Live RC. Sweet. Awesome. Awesome. Number three, favorite country visited. Ooh, favorite country visited is Japan. I got to go to Japan to go do some events at Yatabi and the World Championships over there. Japan's freaking awesome. If I could die and come back again, I, I would come back as a Japanese person and be Japanese. Sweet. Awesome. <laughs> Number four, drones are? Awesome. Okay. Yeah. Uh, number, totally awesome. I, I've never done it. I think they're awesome. I think anything that's flying. Off tangent, the flying part of the flying genre of RC is huge. I didn't realize how huge it was. I've flown planes, I've flown helicopters, I've flown drones. Yeah, if you don't fly stuff, you should try. It's, it really it helps. Yep. All right, number five, best driver you've ever seen. On Kinwald, road, off-road. hands okay. down, Kinwald. Okay. No, no, no doubt about it. That guy could drive a turd through a 12 scale course. Like, I mean, he drove all the things all the time. And I mean, I think I'm biased cause I worked with him a little mm-hmm. bit and I had to see all the things that you had to deal with on a car and all that. So next up would be Masami cause he drives with his feet. Yes. I would love to talk to him. His English is very good. So I should work mm-hmm. with that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Number six, RC media now. What? Yeah, thank you. Thanks for the answer. What? RC, RC media, media now? Yeah. What? Am I supposed to like list off one? No, just what do you think of it? You're supposed to say, when it comes oh. to your mind, what do you think of it? Oh, I didn't know it was a thing. Oh, th- see, exactly. So that tells me everything I need to do. It's on social media, yes. right? It, yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, number seven, qualifying is, in RC Lame. racing is lame and there's far too much of it it's a it's a double kill there it's far too long we need much less qualifying please okay number nine the ifmar worlds is overrated i agree with you i think uh, uh, i love it i love it but i yeah. think we need to we need to have a series to it's 
it's not much difference than like a Euros or a big race. And I think some of the big races, the competition's a little bit tighter and six rounds of qualifying. 10 days in Australia in 2018. So, and number nine, what is Charlie's favorite frosty beverage? Ooh. I think that's number 10. No, that's yeah, number I think nine. That's- I think that's number 10 because number nine was the last one. Number 10, my favorite frosty beverage is beer of any kind. I'm not very picky. <laughs> you know, what? I love buddy, beer too. My buddy told me, he's like, Charlie, you're an alcoholic. I said, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I, you know what? I, I forgot to ask you something. I know it's getting time to go. Um, I know we're going to make this number 11, but we probably it's probably number 10. Will we see FPV in surface racing? Ooh. Virtual racing. We tried that at IIC a couple years back Mm -hmm. in Vegas, and it went okay. I think that the tech now Mm -hmm. will be on point that it'll work. But um, one of the problems for FPV in an RC car is the peripherals. So until we can kind of look out the door and see who we're turning on, I think it's going to be a little bit tricky for the same reason that, you know, if you can't move your head when you drive a real car, it's going to be bad. So. I don't see a need for it, but I think that FPV crawling is going to become a thing. And I think that dudes are going to FPV race in their backyard a yes. lot. Yes. Cause for something like that, it can be very, very fun. Cause you can take a car that goes like half speed. And when you race at FPV, it feels like you're going Mach 10. Exactly. You like, you know, twice. I would think that. in off-road, it'd be hard too when you're jumping and you, you know, you're up. Right. Yeah. And all that type of stuff. But Having the control and all that, it's going to become a tempo thing. When we first got into doing FPV in our cars, you kind of cheat and like poke one eye out of the goggles and look at it <laughs> on the, yeah. Cool, man. I knew this was going to be a, a great interview. Uh, I love your energy. I love your passion for RC. Um, I got a, one thing before I go, because he was messaging me. He didn't know I was interviewing you. But I'm going to take a picture for him and send it to him. Say what's up to AE Fanboy. Oh, um, Kyle. Kyle. Stupid Kyle. He Hi, messaged Kyle. me. And um, he messaged me while I was talking to you. And I meant to take a picture for him. Uh, how thank- did, how did, I didn't tell him that we were here so that he wouldn't message no, us. No, he was talking how, about how the, my previous podcast uh, oh, that I did with Alexander Marvel. Hagberg. And he was, I, I didn't wasn't able to answer him. Kyle's one of my favorite I love people. Him. I love him. That dude. Him, him and Sean. I think him He's- and Sean are the two people that I think love rc more than i can ever imagine at sean especially like the the passion that they have for rc is addictive it's easy it's easy R- oh, rc yeah. is it's like it's like it's like the worst drug and the best drug at the same time i know dude i know man before we sign out her would you like to say thank you to anybody and and just say what's up before we do and yeah hobby wing of course yes. of no- novak my favorite people in all the world. I miss you guys so much, but if you guys need to get a hold of me, you can email me mm-hmm. charlie at hobbywing.com. It's super easy. If you call Hobbywing Monday through Friday, nine to five, I do the tech support stuff. So you can ask for Charlie by name and uh, don't forget to check out the Charlie show. It's on Hobbywing officials, YouTube channel. If you go on YouTube and you punch in Hobbywing official, you'll find our channel mm-hmm. and the podcast is called RC stuff powered by Hobbywing. Find it on your favorite podcast service. Thank you. Thank you for your time, man. I can't wait to meet you and have a non-alcoholic beer with you because I'm not drinking. But um, thank you, man. I had, a, this was, I, I had a really great time with you, and I know if I ever meet you, it's going to be even more awesome. Thank you, sir. I, I always, uh, I, like I said before, I feel honored to folks invite me to do stuff and talk about things. So thank you very much. Thank you. And uh, you have a good evening, man. Deal. All right. Bye-bye. 
Sun City University Raceway, the home of El Paso's world-famous motocross-inspired eight-scale off-road track. The Showers family has over 20 years' experience creating one of the premier tracks in the USA. Their world-class facility has everything. Handicap accessibility, covered beds, skate starts, space for parking RVs, trailers, and lights for night racing. Follow SDRC on Facebook under Sun City RC Raceway for updates, upcoming races, or host your own race. Yes, yes. Thank you, SCRC, for sponsoring this part of the podcast. It's time for the Sun City RC Raceway Down and Quiet segment. And you know Joseph loves Joey Showers, and we can't wait to go back to SCRC. And it's funny because what we're going to talk about today, SCRC has kind of done it too. So, yeah, Joe, you got anything to say to Joey, man? I think he misses you. I don't miss him. Well, they got their race coming up next week. And like I said, uh, Anthony's done uh, a badass layout. And I believe they're going to have starting grid. So, you know what? Sun City has been listening. They like the, the starting, you know, starting gate. They're keeping it. And it's like coming. It's off the track and it goes. And then it goes into the turn onto the straightaway. So, it's kind of, it's good. Like I like it. It's going to be good. Can't wait to see it. All right, Joseph. So, I wanted to talk about it because I've been watching the interwebs lately and we talked about it a little bit. We were supposed to talk about something else, but this kind of came up uh, because I also saw something uh, today, earlier this morning, that I thought was pretty cool. But it looks like slowly but surely these promoters, live RC people are starting to... to see that we, we can give, we can produce more coverage and, and, and do things that can help. Okay. All right. Of course, I would love to get spectators in and all that type of stuff, but I really am excited to see these races or these promoters bring in. Obviously um, DNC had great coverage, probably the best coverage we've seen for live RC in a long time. Now we know that PMB is going to have live RC and Scotty and everybody there for all of their races. And, the scale, which is the other, the comp- like they're in the same region and they're kind of fighting against uh, live, um, not live RC, against race time. They've got, they're going to have Scotty and live RC there at all their races. And they have three. Now, this isn't something cheap either. I don't know how much live RC charges to do a race, but I, it has to be close to $10,000. Maybe a little less. To send a full Probably crew. Less than to send a full crew and Scotty, because Scotty isn't cheap either. So, you know, kudos to this. Um, for me, for a person like me, and for people other all around the world who probably want to tune into these races, they can. Uh, it's it's really awesome to see. And even and to say that, like even just other influences like Sun City RC Raceway, obviously they were gonna get ready for RCGP. And I know RCGP had a list of requirements that they needed, and it's benefited their track. I mean, they have covered pits and you know all this nice stuff that we're getting ready to do for rcgp so it seems like there there is some shift and changes it's slowly it's very slowly but it seems like things are starting to to change a little bit okay we've been ranting and raving about the same things for like two years or three years how long have we been doing this for for two and a half years 100 plus episodes we're saying the same thing it's good to see. I'm, I'm super excited. For a person like me, I'm not going to PME this year. So I can sit back, 
I know the mains are going. I'm going to watch the mains. I watch the open mains and all that stuff. I'm not going to watch 24 hours of that stuff. I doubt it. They're going to have 24 hours like that. I, I, I am. I have to admit, Zach said it on um, last week's podcast that Scotty does make a race exciting. Like I don't care what anybody says. It's good to have him on. I think the, I would like to see somebody like Scotty and maybe Lance come together and do a because I think Lance is very good too. I hope they take our other advice and and that we talk about and get some referees at these races because then it would be really good. But okay, we're not getting format change and we're still going for these big thousands of entries and all this stuff. But we're getting some coverage and that and and we're getting better trophies. Well, that's the format thing. That's the next yeah. step. Yeah, you actually have a format, don't you? You actually have a format that you want to try out. Well, not try out. We've already tried it yeah, but, in RC2. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, you have, yeah, I yeah, know you have a, an, an even different format that you want to try out, I believe. Yeah, for like club racing yeah. and stuff. So yeah. if anybody wants to, wants to talk to you about that, they can contact you, right? Contact you on Instagram. If anybody's got the balls to do it. Yeah, I might reply. <laughs> but it will all be public. Okay. At some right. point, yeah. All right, cool. So... I just kind of wanted to reflect and think that this is a positive shift. I mean, I just looked at Dave today. He's made this big jumbotron for PMB. You know, so, I mean, okay, it's great for the people there. It won't affect us, but it's good to see stuff like this, man. Okay, maybe it's a little late. I mean, Efra's been doing coverage of all their finals and all this stuff for for years now with RC Racing TV. But this gives well, they have something new also. Now. I know, I know. Tomorrow they have a live stream talking about that. So, I wonder what they're gonna do. Reveal their new I logo. Mean, I'm sure they'll reveal the logo and probably start talking about the next step in their development plan. What do you know anything? But about you know that, that it's uh, well, I don't, the development plan was like updated coverage of races and this and that, whatever. But. It's the same people who work on RCGP who work with EFRA too, you know? So there's that influence also of there. Of course, of course. I mean, I don't want to I don't want to toot our own horn. I think we need to get Jeff Keaton on to ask that question one day. Uh, but they will say that for another any rat. positive effect. Yeah. But I'm not saying that. Uh, yes, I am saying that RCGP has caused this. Because they stepped up the coverage game and now all these other races want to do the same thing. So kudos to RC I know Racing 100% TV. sure that the overlays for Live RC with pictures of drivers and results and all that, like that update, wouldn't have happened without RCGP. Well, Brandon would say you're, you're wrong. Because he was, he would say that he was no, going to do this scoring. No, I know, I know. It's because we, Live RC was going to work with RCGP. Yes, that too. That's why they made that. But I don't care. It's still good to have. It's good to see. So it's been yeah, a positive influence. Yeah. And so, I mean, we can almost even have a U.S. national series this year, really, if you think yeah. about it. So the, the next things really, and see, this is the thing that it's not... Um, it's not about like, oh, we did this or we caused this and that's why it changed. Like, okay, now we're going to say this thing and this is going to change. It's it. The point is that maybe thanks to talking about all these things for so long, more people have also started to think about uh, these 
same problems and issues and take some initiative and start improving stuff. That's the goal. So not that sort of one organization is doing all the heavy lifting and doing everything first and then other people sort of follow or copy. That's not the point, but rather that everyone would realize that, okay, this is what we try are trying to achieve and everyone brings their contribution of something new and different that they start doing you know so when there are five different organizations doing helping to create positive change in rc they all do their own unique thing and they look at the others who are also doing something good and then they adopt those things mm -hmm. that will help uh improve our mm -hmm. hobby a lot and a lot faster than if just one organization is trying to change things so that's that's what I hope to see more of so that live RC actually actively start to improve what they do and what they offer and race organizers like race time and, uh, Lance on the East coast. I don't expect Joey to ever change anything, but that would be amazing if he did, but mm -hmm. they also look at stuff like race formats and, you know, then, mm -hmm. then things can really improve. It's, it's not massive changes we need. Really, it's just a few key people decide like, okay, let, we're going to do this different. And that's what I hope will happen. Yeah, and I've, I've said this before on this podcast before. I don't I know, like, oh, you guys are just tooting your own horn. No, we're not tooting your own horn because we've taken a lot of flack for the, a lot of the things we said too. And I now see people of influence saying things that you have already, you've said for years. And I think, yeah, I know even the, the Drake video about club racing, yeah. you remember that yes. he made that video, like how we need to race locally more and that big races need to be sort of more valuable and mm -hmm. different to, to now and all of that stuff. Like all the things he was saying is like, those are the same things that we've been saying, you know, but he made a video about it. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think he would have made a video about it two years ago. Right. Because you kind of, you beat that path down for him. You took the heat for him. And, you know, and everybody was telling you you're bad for the worst thing for RCE and all that type of stuff. And and sometimes, obviously, we would say a lot of things here that were very controversial. But it doesn't, like, I'm just happy that they, they are saying it. You know what I mean? And his influence will carry a lot more. I want him to keep saying it. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. For what, what was it? As much track time and as little of our day as possible. So, yeah, exactly. That's the key. I, and I think that's the next thing, really. Mm -hmm. So we have, uh, there are two important things that I think that I hope happen in the near, near future. So we start to see a trend now of the race organizers actually, you know, trophies, mm -hmm. real trophies, not plaques, you know, that's positive, giving more value to the racers and better coverage of the events mm -hmm. good. So the next two things really is, uh, we need to improve the racing format and the structure of the day to not force everyone to be there all day. That's a relatively simple change that can be done. And then the second thing is, I wish the manufacturers would work more together to figure out which races to send drivers to so that we would have more of a, 
even if it's not an official series, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. still like every month, pretty much, there's some big race where all the guys are there, you know, like this sort of Masters of Europe thing that they started, but then maybe COVID ruined the whole thing, like nothing has really happened. But there's just the idea that there are certain races that all the big guys go to. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, you can have it now. So you had you had DNC, right? That was full of almost every top American driver was there. That come. You know what I mean? Okay, yeah, Lutz. Yeah. The only person that really wasn't there was Lutz. Yeah. Now you have PNB coming up. I assume all these races are going there. Lutz will be going to this one too. The only person that won't be there, I think, will be Tessman. So we have a second second part of the series right here. Then after yeah. this, you have Silver State. So you know, and the, the beautiful thing about this is that Live RC is going to all these races. I believe, I'm sure they'll be at Silver State. So then you have Silver yeah. State. So you know that all these guys are going to be there again. They're not going to miss up going to Silver State because it's a great, it's a fun race to go to. It's Vegas. Then you have the Nationals, right? That they're all going to be there. So here we have a series actually happening. We just need to put some points to it and and make it. We should do like an NNRC point spread or something like that. And crown an yeah. NNRC world champion, like US champion at the end of this season, depending on what races they go to. That'd yeah. be cool. Yeah, why not? Yeah, because you, if you really think it, most of these guys are going to be going to these races because there's not going to be no worlds. So everything's going to be in America. Yeah, let's do that. Let's, yeah. let's, uh, let's treat these races yes. as if it's a series. I agree. Let's talk about them as if it's a series. Yeah, we can make it a virtual oh, one. Let's yeah. do that. So we're going to, that's, we have to read. So we have DNC in the books. What would have been cool is if more guys would have went to the Lone Star Challenge, which is in Texas, which was two weeks after, you know? Yeah. But they didn't. They had to go do the, the Arizona, that race in Arizona. But so we can, what is it? It's DNC, PMB, Silver State, and the Nationals. And then we can throw in, then you have AMS or Wicked Weekend, which might get a good bit of people. Probably not enough people right. go to those. Maybe when, AM, when are the Nationals? The Nationals are June. June, middle of June. June. Okay, yeah. So, but I would like to throw one more race in there, and I think that could be AMS. That's the last, or I would, if RCGP USA happens, but we wouldn't have all those drivers there anyway. But you know what? You got what I'm saying. We actually have the makings yeah. of a series here. <clears throat> this might yeah. be their plan, but that's all right. We're going to make our own series. What should we call it? The US, the... NNRC USA National the Series. The No Name Series. Yeah, the No Name Series. No Name USA there Series. There we go. No, just, yeah. yeah. Cool. It's a USA Series because there are any USA guys that are racing in it. But, and one Canadian. Yeah. So we're going to make a series. That's cool. I think that's going to be awesome. See, we didn't even, that just came off the top of my head. I didn't even think of doing that, like, you know, when we, we was planning this. So we're going to, we, this is a great, this is a great dawn and quiet segment, I think, Joseph. Yeah, yeah. See? Yeah, when we get we're, together and start thinking, just Not, needs uh, add a page on the nnrcpodcast.com website. Well, you know and what? Then just, we talk about it on the podcasts, and we have a series, and that's it. And then hopefully more people can see the benefits of a series and how it makes individual races actually more exciting. Right. So right now, yeah. Ryan Mayfield. So are we? We're just doing nitro buggy. Yeah, just nitro okay. buggy. Let's so, keep it simple. Right. So right now, your leading pack would be, right now, We if we had a, let's, well, are we, are we doing what? Just a top 15? Because let's say 15 people go no, touch just, on these races. I don't know. We can just have every everyone in there. Okay. 
Well, we need to come up with oh, points. We can use what point system can we use? Um, maybe RC two. All right. The RC two series or RC two races was a series in Europe. Remember? Mm-hmm. So I have to check those those points. Maybe that works. Yeah, that's cool. I think we've stumbled onto something. Let, hey, you know what? We guys want to have you. We want to know what you guys think about that. We honestly just came up with that off the cusp. That was not planned at all. Well, maybe somebody had it in their brain and it kind of just came to the front here just now. Because I have been thinking about this, but I haven't said it to anybody. And I'm sure somebody else is thinking about it. So we're going to have the no name RC USA RC series. Offered Nitro Buggy Series. We need, yeah, we need to have a nice. It's a pretty name. long name. Yeah, well, we need to have, have, have a long a acronym for it. Like Ifmar has Ifmar. We need to be like nin, 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 like ten letters, ten letters. Because if the more letters you have, the better. That's the Australian way. Their clubs are always <laughs> yeah, they do M O R R C C C C R B A. Or the C R C R C R C R C R C R C R C club. All right, Joseph. So we came up with a good idea. Awesome. Let us know what you guys think about that. I think that's all we have for this week, Joseph. I know it's late there in uh, Finlandia. Uh, thank you for your time. I greatly appreciate it. And um, we look forward to your videos when they come out. And hopefully that happens uh, soon. When are you releasing this? This is released on Fridays. Okay, I'm going to have a live stream today then. Today? No, I'm Friday. Having, oh, yeah, it's Friday. Yeah. Well, as we're recording, yeah. it's actually Thursday. So, yeah, we're kind of late know, on know. the cusp here. All right, man. That was a good one. That was a good one. Thank you, Joseph, for your time. Thank you, everybody that supports the NNRC. We greatly appreciate it. We can't do it without you guys. Keep hitting that like button on, fa- on Facebook, following us on Instagram, and hitting that sub button on the YouTube YouTube, bro, we got to get these algorithms going. Don't forget to go over to Joseph's channel and hit that that sub button because we got to get him to 10K so he can do the Kyosho Masters in 2022. And don't forget Max's channel too. We're promoting Max's channel. Go hit, you know, Joseph's Padawan, his, his Padawan, Mini Max, you know. Somebody asked me who's got a bigger ego, you or Max. I don't know. I think Max might have a bigger one than you, but you have an enormous <laughs> He does. Max is all right. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I would have to look at, really study that definition of ego. Right. To be able to answer that question. Cool. Well, you know what? Also, I want to shout out and say thank you to all the patrons of the NNRC. Thank you guys for your extra help. We have a Patreon for this podcast. If you guys want to continue to help out or want to help this podcast, you can. Joseph has a Patreon too that you can sign up for on his YouTube channel, JQ Racing TV. Follow him on Instagram too. Or don't follow him on Instagram. If you've been pretty good lately, so yeah, you can follow him on Instagram. And hey, Joseph, um, I want to shout out to all the awesome companies that support this podcast. Shout out to Mayako Official, TNR Fuels, JQ Racing, Techno RC, Beach RC, JQ Thread, Sun City RC Raceway. Uh, Wally Builds, Racecraft USA, Manscaped.com, RCMX, House of RC, RCGP. JQ Threads. We got a lot of sponsors now, Joseph. A lot of sponsors. Remember, we had none when we started. We had you, JQ Racing and Beach RC. So it's pretty impressive what we've done in two years. And we couldn't do this without the listeners. And uh, we enjoy bringing you guys content. Content, And, you know, when I virtually pimp slap Beaker on there, he gets in shape. And we get some good action out of him, too. So tune into his live tomorrow. And, Joseph, do you have anything to say before we, we sign out here? 
No. Nope. Nothing, nothing. You're just going to wait. Nothing. You're going to wait to interrupt me <clears throat> when I do mine, right? So anyway, remember, Nitro is the glory. E-Buggy pays the bills. If you ain't grinding, you're sliding. And Lefty and Beaker, out. Thank you for listening to the No Name RC Podcast. We greatly appreciate all the support and love from you, the listeners. Without all of you, none of this is possible. Special thanks to our patrons on Patreon. If you wish to support the podcast further, you can at patreon.com forward slash NNRC Podcast. As a patron, you will receive early releases, special content, and patron-only giveaways. Also, please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and our website, www.nnrcpodcast.com. Remember, Nitro is the glory, but e-buggy pays the bills. If you aren't having fun, it doesn't make sense. And if you ain't grinding, you're sliding lefty out. Nitro is the glory, Nitro is the glory, Nitro is the glory. so bad.